the psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own hidden symbols and messages as well as all the lyrics of all the top rock songs. And they all sing the same refrain. This is a special request. We don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana, some call it sense media, some call it lamb's bread, and some people call it... Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I'm your host, Adam Dunn. And I'm your co-host, Mitch Chinasa. And, and we with got us, as ever, the kid. our trusty The Kid. The Kid. Running things. Running things. Uh, Almost on time. We weren't so bad today. 25 minutes. I just We just all got here, though. I know, we didn't even take our stuff. jackets off. We're well, you were... Like, I love that we all wear hoodlums now. Well, right? I love that we all wear hoodlums. Sure, you more love than it you more do. Than, yeah, you probably love Doug it the actually most. probably loves it too. I think yeah. yeah. Are these? Yeah, these are from yeah. The Doug. Shout the out to Doug. Shout out to Doug. Hoodlums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. No, we uh, now look like Can absolute I, twins. It's, it's terrible though because like we both have the dark horse one. Yeah, it's I, not even you. At least have your. I'm more you know, elite. Yeah, it's yeah, a pain yeah. in the ass at dark horse too because if they're all they're all the same. You guys don't know who's or what. All right, take them off. We're here now. We're here. The same shirts on. Same shirt. Same shirt. We're ready. Well, what? What the? Oh, oh, is it Twinsy Day? It yeah, is, it is full Twinsy in effect. Ah. I don't even. How did you? I, anyway, I make these things, so I'm allowed. I think I'm the. These aren't hoodlums, though. These are hoodlums. No. Oh, yeah. These are hoodlums. They are hoodlums. Even the kids. Kids, show me. Show me yours. Same. Show me yours. Because you got like a special edition. Oh, yeah. The, the, tank, <laughs> the tank top one. Show them. Show special them. Show edition. them the skin. Mitch can't even, you can't even see his. His computer's in the way of his shirt. Oh, well, whatever. Boom. Oh. Boom. Wait. But all right. Now you're looking back on it. It's kind of kind of gay. What's that? We probably shouldn't all have the same shirts on. That wasn't, well, intentional. wasn't intentional. That's why we did the you, gag. You yeah. might have because you may have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys unintentionally wore the same shirt. Of course. No, we didn't communicate. Unintentionally. It was, yeah. We didn't even talk to each other until 10 minutes ago. That's yeah, we fine. talked to each other on the way here. We, at which point we both had our shirts on already. <laughs> we did not plan the shirt. Wow. Kid, wait. Can we see your shirt, though? I want to see yours. Yeah. What do you mean? It's the same shirt. It's a tank top. It's cold out here. Tank it's top. not cold out. What are we, outside? <laughs> you don't pay, your, you don't pay the heating bill here? <laughs> we really, I mean, I do have the heat on, but it's... it's doesn't really it's, go it's, very high. Shout out to the dog sleeping under Adam's legs. Yeah. Shout out to everybody in the chat room right now. We're running a little late, and we got our first call coming on in two minutes. Wow, that's pretty good. So we're going to go do, do news after? Yeah, come on. We'll see what's happening. I have a lot. We have a lot happened. Lot you want to do how was your week, or you want to do news? news, news? How, was you your, how, was your, how was your week? We real okay, quick. how was your week? Two minutes. Whew, what a week, dude. Vegas, yeah, as always, ridiculous. So many people were there this time. That was like... Because the last time I went to the same show, which was what the... What did they, I don't even know what it was called. It was Cannabis Con. No, no, it was called the no. Cannabis Con. Yeah, something. Right? Which sounds like the least legit thing ever. Ever. Yeah, exactly. And it was actually the best show for all the people that were there that, that I talked to that were like, wow, yeah, they crushed it. People who had... Did they have products booths? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah there was over 200 booths. So it was quite big. Okay, so were they sell, slanging products right there or no? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How bad can it do? We didn't have a booth. We, just, didn't have a we booth. just chilled. Just hung out. We just chilled. We did good at that. We're really good at that. Did so John stay the Cosmo again? We're stupid. No, we, I think he stayed. Uh, oh, take everything. Oh, wait, no, we stayed at. You know, it's it's comped. We stayed at the Alana Hotel, which is like a new thing from the Hilton. So it's a non-casino. Yeah, those are the best. So time. it's actually pretty cool because you're like, you know, you when you go to the other casinos. One minute. You're like, oh man, these are kind of horrible. Every time you come home to the room, you have to deal, go through the whole thing. And it's like bunch of retards on the 
<laughs> sitting out there. Uh, I feel like you're in into, Vegas, though. Especially that's when they're plugged into the machine. When I see somebody plugged that in. That I can't stand. I'm like, are you kidding me? You actually yeah. have, you're connected to the you're machine. Tethered, you're tethered. to be tethered That's to weird. It. And then they got, like, yeah. I don't I know, know. If you're saying so Vegas, depressing. you got to stay in the Vegas casino. has that depressing vibe in the casino. So it does, though. So when you stayed at this place, you're like, hey, I'm just staying in a nice hotel. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess that And it was connected to the mall, so you would have went nuts. Why would I have went nuts? Because kid. Kids go nuts. So I like the mall? or something. Yeah, that sounds like a Skype call Skype to me. Skype call, my friend. Let's do that. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Oh, I'm going to have to unmute those channels. Okay. Oh. One second. Oh, oh. Unmute. Unmute me, please. It's Wolfie, right? Yes, sir. The Wolfstein. Wolfster. What's going on here? Ghosts? You should be able to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 welcome to the Adam Dunn Show, Wolf. It's like you walked into the room. Yeah, the uh, doors sorry, I'm, just I'm open. I'm not getting much volume. Give me a second to see what's going on here. I can raise them up. That could be on our side, too. Okay, I'm not showing much. Any, I'm not hearing much here. Not hearing much. Not yeah, hearing much. We have volume on, on our end. Um, okay, I'm good now. I can hear you. Oh, good. Perfect. Perfect. How about us? Can you hear us? Outstanding. Great. Wonderful. Well, that's half the battle right there. Uh, I like how robotic he sounds well, for some from Skype. Wait, wait, let me try this. Is this any better? Speak. Give me a test sound. Go ahead. Go ahead. What, you want to hear from my side? Sure. Yeah. Both of us. Hey, Wolfie, how you doing? How you doing out there? Okay, that's plugged in. It's sound we plugged in. That's like that. I think it sounds like you know. Yeah, but you have a little can't hear you. Who's they? Who's they? Um... I think I just found out why. Let's see. Okay, speak again. I'll bet you I've got you now. How are you doing? Sounded better? A little better. A little better. Cool. Okay, for some reason, they can only hear my mic right now, and I don't know why he can't hear your twos. It should, he should be able to. So let me figure it out. Hold on. Okay, let's okay. see what we got going on here. Technical um, difficulties. Check my settings. It's on our side, bud, so hold on. Just oh. give us one second. Oh, okay. Maybe it's the broken channels five and six. But it's in channel four. Oh. Like I'm getting, I'm getting levels on here. I have, I have everything going to the right place. But he's not hearing my mic. Yeah. And you have to put your mic over by us then. Yep. Ooh, oh, there's got to be another way to make it work. All right, dogs. Like professional. Dogs are fighting. Mics are. Give me more than two seconds. Now I'm you not going to be able to know whether those are working because you're going to be talking into this mic. So let's get you one of these mics to test on, Ryan. And we can conduct... What's going on there? We have a, we have a little dog fight going We're on. switching the microphones around. Uh, dog, dogs are battling. Do you want me to speak up? Would it make it easier if I redial? No. I think we're good now. Can you hear Can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. Okay. I don't hear anything from Adam yet. But you can hear me now? Yes. Okay, so we're sharing a mic. <laughs> so okay. We look cute, put it that way, with our same shirts on, sharing a mic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Bobsy twins, so to speak. Pretty much. Okay, well, I'm ready whenever you guys are. Awesome. Uh, well, I'll line you up with your with your intro here. Um, I know you were really interested in the story of Northern Lights. I just got off the phone with Greg. He gave me permission to tell it all to you, including who the Indian was, who I did not know about and just got told about. All right. In that case, I'm going to get right through this intro and let you tell that story because that's a better twist on this episode than I'd ever expected. Um, <laughs> So, let's see. Oh, here we go. 
so you, you obviously invented the sea of green and scrog method. Yes. Um, the latter of which was sent out from the Sheridan Federal Corrections Institute. Yes. In uh, 19, fall of 1990, it went to High Times, and I believe it was Dean Latimer who then spread it from there. I'm not sure though. Uh, it says uh, you were the last person that Jack Herrer consciously consumed cannabis with. Yes, Jack and I had been friends for 24 years. He came down off the stage. Um, I had a vape. I, I was the number three man in the hemp stock hierarchy at that point. Um, he came down off the stage. I had a vaporizer uh, volcano plugged in, uh, probably 50 feet away. Went, filled the bag, came back. We did it. Jack went into a paroxysm, and I had never seen someone before who actually what, what that word meant but he turned like deep deep red and I kind of teased him I said Jack that's the first time I've ever grown anything that made you cough and he said well I cough all the time now so we went ahead and finished the bag I went over to fill another one when I came back he wasn't in the seat found someone to do it with then was walking out the uh, was starting to walk toward the exit from um, backstage and I saw a huge crowd gathered around Jack was on the ground. Um, I ended up spending the night at the uh, hospital with Chuck, who was Jack's personal assistant, with Mark, Jack's son, and with some woman whose name I don't remember. And, uh, you know, it was pretty heartbreaking. I, uh, I didn't go down and see him in the nursing home in rehab. It just, it was too hard for me. I, I cared for the man so much that seeing him that way was not something I felt emotionally capable of doing. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um and uh, so that was in 1990. That's like, I mean, it was one of the, and then the, from that was. Okay, no, the, the, the dying was uh, 2009. Yeah, I was going to say, that was, that was yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was just uh, his first episode, basically. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And then, and then of course, uh, the, you were the largest scale grower by plant count who was busted as part of Operation Green Merchant. Yes, so, so they got me two ways. One as general manager of a uh, of what at that point was bidding to become uh, other than other, other than Dansko was was bidding to become. We probably would have been Sunlight Supply by now, <laughs> right? <laughs> On that scale, because we had started wholesaling and uh, well, yeah, you're, we were. You're, you're you know, best, it was, so, it was an amazing place point. to be working because first paraboloid hood we designed um just well first i should say eight-sided paraboloid hood um just a, a blast to be there you know it's it's i don't know quite what it was like in silicon valley but i imagine it was very similar because it was all new we all yep. we were all exploring this new thing that was just amazing because i mean at that point i had been growing outdoors for about eight years um and all of a sudden here was this whole new thing that instead of you know thinking all winter how much we wanted to grow and planning our you know planning out where we'd put our holes uh trying to figure out where they weren't going to get spotted sure. um that was pretty much an amazing amazing you know i mean imagine you're growing under vho lights which are the very high output fluorescent lights, which was what the first book about growing indoors under lights by, it was written as Murphy Stevens, but the man's real name is Steve Murphy. Um, what a, what a and, twist. <laughs> yeah, ooh, now there's a big trick. <laughs> but um, he wrote about it growing under VHOs, and I, I brought a crop in under VHOs. I uh, wasn't very impressed compared to my outdoor buds, but 
it was it was I had managed to do it. Um, and then I was at Steve's shop, which was at that point on 45th. Uh, these days, they're down in Fremont in Seattle. And uh, long love and respect to Mr. Steve Murphy, because those of us who grow indoors, there were people already doing it. But honestly, where we are today, I don't think would have happened without him. But anyway, so I'm in his shop. And... Uh, talking about the growing in v with VHOs when an electrical engineering student from the UW who's not a grower not not even got houseplants is walking by sees this shop full of houseplants under VHOs walks in and says why are you growing under those don't you know how much more efficient high intensity discharge lighting is than fluorescent lighting um at that point, I think it was a year after Steve's book, How to Grow Indoors Under Light, How to Grow Marijuana Indoors Under Lights. Well, two years, a year after Bob Thumler walks in and talks to him about halide lighting or HID lighting, uh, How to Grow the Finest Marijuana Indoors Under Lights comes out, and it's about using HID lighting. Um, I know I've heard rumors that there were other people doing it uh, with streetlights and such. It's possible. I mean, you know, steam engine time. Three different people invented the steam engine all within a year of each other. Yep. No way of hearing about it. Yep. So it was time. But um, it's been amazing. We, we've seen in the last, call it 40 years, 40-ish years, we've seen what was essentially at the beginning, most of us said that indoor grown looked pretty, smelled pretty, but honestly, it was a no-high. And um, that changed. <laughs> Obviously, that changed. We started breeding. We started um, moving toward what we have today in terms of the, the many poly hybrids and the few land races and or selected strains that we've come up with. But while I'm talking about Steve Murphy and about the strains, I know that one of the stories that, that I think is important to tell because of how it happened is how Northern Lights went to Hawaii. And I should tell you that G13, or not to Hawaii, I'm sorry, to Amsterdam, uh, and G13 and about 10 other really important strains went over to Amsterdam. They were carried by a guy named Greg, I won't give his last name, Greg M. They went from the guy who had developed the strain, who worked for Steve Murphy, not growing, but I mean was an employee in Steve Murphy's shop, and that was Herbie N. Um, Herbie is who developed the Sea of Green. He gave the strain to Greg McKen Look, almost gave it away. Greg M. Greg M. In turn carried it to Neville along with the G13. Um, and I'm not quite sure which other ones. Neville did some more breeding with it. I was talking to him. Oh, I guess it was two weeks ago, and he did. He said he. he that he did some crossing and back crossing, which is where it went from the original Northern Lights to Northern Lights 5, as I understand it. But um, Neville and Sensi Seed Company were at that point pre or Super Sativa Seed Club, Super, Se Super Sativa Seed mm. Company, sorry, <laughs> were the um, first two over there. And then, um, of course, we had Sacred Seed here, and when Sacred Seed got shut down, um, a man who was being called Sam Jingles... Old went, Man Sam? Old Man Sam yeah. <laughs> went to um, 
went to Amsterdam. That was like 82? Was that in 82? No. Or, uh, or later? That was later. Okay. I thought it, wasn't he there early, though? I thought he was there like back in Positronics days with with that, uh, with Vernard. Um, because that's who, that's who basically he coached Vernard. You know Vernard yes. from Positronics? I, I don't, okay, to be he's, honest. He's, he was the uh, – when I, when I moved to Amsterdam – he was really like the only Dutch guy that I kind of saw doing it right. Like everybody else was just kind of like growing really crappy weed and not really trying to, to, to further that at all. A lot of them were just growing because most of them smoked hash. So a lot of the shops you go to, if it was home, if it was like Dutch grown weed, they weren't really on point, a lot of them. But then his shop definitely was on point. And the thing is, he had taken up like a whole street and he had every single shop at the bottom was like interconnected so you go into one it's for seeds one's for clones one's got equipment one's building them one's you know so he had like the literally just kind of bought up the whole street and they had pictures of old old ed on the wall and he probably he told how he had pretty much come and changed the scene there for everybody uh how how ed had or how yeah. uh yeah. had? no how ed had changed the scene for them there right bring just by bringing them the genetics and stuff and a lot of the stuff that they were doing like they were famous for their citral that they still had, which was really hard, dense, round buds, you know, like yeah. a very impressive plant, actually. And they had some decent-looking stuff, but it was like you could just tell that they had all come – it all came from him. You know what I mean? They didn't really – the most, like almost all of it came from that, that batch or whatever. Hmm. Because I know that um, what Neville was saying is that he and Ed had – before they made – I guess for a while, um, Nettervit was allowed. Mm-hmm. Um and was legal, not just tolerated, but from what um, what Neville said, it was essentially legal. And then when they made it illegal, Neville was like, okay, I'm ready to go in the seed business. And um, from as I understand it, at that point, Ed and Neville, while it was still legal there, had been partners. Mm-hmm. And when they split, per Neville, uh, Ed wanted to keep doing the other. Neville wanted to go into seeds. And um, Neville basically told Ed, no, I don't want to do this. Do you want the seeds or the equipment? And you can, uh, we'll, we'll split. And um, I guess from what Neville said, Ed got the equipment. But uh, And Neville went on to the seed thing. So those seeds that Ed brought, but also the seeds that um, Greg M. brought. Right. And then, then Neville dealt a lot with an Indian guy who is, has de- been dead for a few years, so I'm comfortable with giving full name. His name was Don Downs. And a lot of people are under the impression that a number of the strains which were, gi- which were given to him by Greg M., who called himself Northern Light Seeds, and who um, we should look for that to, to reappear here in the not-all-that-distant future. Right. Um, but most of what Don Downs was growing had come from Greg. And, and Greg, beca- Greg was just this, just like I sometimes refer to myself as the Forrest Gump of cannabiculture. Well, Greg has a pretty good claim to it, too. Well, I mean, I've been pretty much most of the major things. I was either there or was the person who did it. No, don't get me wrong. There's a huge, huge, huge number of things I had nothing to do with. But a lot of them I was there. And Greg, Greg took... It's all timing. Greg, it's all timing, too. You know, yeah. you, you can't help it. Just when It's the same with me being in Amsterdam in the early 90s because it was like right when they took over. I was working for oh, Sensi. Yeah. I was working for Sensi when they took over Neville's whole library you know what i mean so i was there yeah. for the transition phase where when i got there it was still old school 
They had all their original strains that Ben had kind of collected over the years. Named him after all his kids. He had Shiva, <laughs> Shanti, Ravi, Purple Ravi, you know, and those are all the names of his children. So in a way, it was very close to his heart, and you could tell it was like you know he was he was doing something, but he didn't have the they didn't have the dynamics that Neville had. Neville had just all the strains that people really wanted you know what i mean so people got yeah. there and they bought you know a lot of the sensi stuff there was some decent stuff in there for sure because it was all afghan based genetics that were is pretty much what we're all working with anyway and and they were pretty much hardly hardly filtered either because he had taken them from there and just done work in holland there was hardly it wasn't like like they were still hybrids but they weren't these crazy poly hybrids we're working with now that are have you know you don't even know the starting point so um you know, and I remember growing them out too, and they were qu- quite raw. You know, they were just like yeah. real simple raw stuff. Then Neville's library came in, and we had a whole new plethora of things. And that was when, you know, he was actually on board and helping out. And then it was funny because when I talked to the guys recently, and as the history went along, once he pulled out again, it kind of went all sour and wrong again. And then he had to come back and help uh, Marcel, who was the main grower there for Sensi. And Marcel, he didn't smoke. You know what I mean? And I, I knew Marcel for years, and I used to joke with him all the time. I'd be like, he, he would have me smoke the weed, and you know, and I'd just be like, "You guys, how do you guys think you can do this? You know, without smoking, it's really hard. To, it's like, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess there's people out there who grow plenty of crops that they don't consume. You know, what I mean, like maybe there's guys who grow tomatoes and don't eat tomatoes, but I think yeah. it helps if you like tomatoes. You'd be like, hey, this actually tastes like a damn tomato. You know what I mean? Compared to oh, I don't eat tomatoes, you know. I grow 18,000 tons of them, but I don't eat them, you know. So it's kind of the same concept with cannabis, I think. If you don't eat smoke, it's weird. I mean, I I grew up in, um, the only way I can put it is in a very criminal milieu. And um, I worked for quite a time in other commodities before I realized I was stealing people's souls. Um, And one of the things that, was there's like what I called Siegel's rules of dealing and the first one is if you want to make money you can't use mm-hmm. what you're dealing yeah, that's, now with, with that's cannabis much less so much less so but um, that and no double fronts right if someone fronted it to you you couldn't front it on or if you fronted it to someone they didn't get another one until they were all the way caught up yeah no there's definitely that you, that you have to do, follow those basics because otherwise you find yourself tailspinned out it shocks me that this is increasingly culturally irrelevant in America the whole idea of selling weed dude I talk about it I talk about it at least once a week with someone where like my kid's never going to buy weed from a dealer oh, I know. absolutely not I know. absolutely not well, and, and, unless it's you. I don't how you used to do it. I'll wait around by the bathroom, and you just kind of go, hey, and then I'll get some weed. It'll, it'll, it'll be great. Yeah, I'll, be at the, I'll be at the telephone booth outside of 7-Eleven. Yeah, and, and neither of those exist anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> telephone booth? Meet me. Or meet me in the... I'll bring you a lid. Yeah, Maybe exactly. in the foreign section of Blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> as many irrelevant things in one yeah. in one single thing. As oh, in that case, and Hillary Clinton's going to deliver it to us. Yep. That's right. It's packaged in a cassette tape. So, um, also one of the things that you were involved with, which is pretty awesome, is um, Sensimilia Tips with that Tom Alexander. Yes, and, I was, and I mean that was also interestingly for me. I was in it was in Holland, and I always had like a couple copies of it. You know what I mean? And so then. 
I remember calling him up, looking up the number inside the cop inside the thing, and just calling him up and him answering. And we were chatting, and we were, at one point we were trying to figure out how to get a bunch of his old copies because he said he had a whole garage full of them. I was like, well, damn, I could sell them out here, you know, because people were everybody that I showed it to was like, now that is information that is useful, you know what I mean, compared to like yep. any other magazine I'd ever seen when it came to growing. And the best part about it was that it was kind of like written where it could be any crop a lot of times. It wasn't always, even though it was it just sensibility tips, yeah. they kind of kept it very neutral on their drawings and didn't really go, and, you know, it's like almost like you could read into it and um, you felt like I, you were learning about anything, you know, you didn't feel like it was only cannabis. Yeah. I think that was, that might have been toward the end um, because I know that Tom, I, I had a Sensimia Tips magazine reunion episode on my podcast, The Farmer in the Sky Radio Hour, uh, on the 26th, which was the anniversary of Green Merchant, and I was fortunate enough to get all but two members of the writing staff, which included Ed and George, first time, in fact, as far as I know, the only time they've ever worked together right. on a project, which, I mean, you should... Uh, it's it's hard when you've got two stars of that magnitude. Oh yeah. Um, but I had them. I had Tom. I had Steve Hager because besides it being a Green Merchant Day reunion it, or a Sense Me a Tips magazine reunion, it was the 26th anniversary of Green Merchant. So we it was sort of a way that all of us, because Steve Hager, uh-huh. editor of High Times at the time, Tom Alexander publisher of Sensimia Tips magazine at the time and I was I, I was set to have a statement from Neville but as we got to talking it became obvious that there's a book of stories that have not been told about Green Merchant mm-hmm. and um oh yeah like so many players got hooked, caught up in that as far as you know Jason Harris got caught up in it and just all these you know it's like it's one of those things where um, if you look back on it now it's so criminal the idea of what they you know how they even pulled it off and and now if you look at it's 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 i love the idea that we're in this weird rena- cannabis renaissance now because yeah. people you know finally can you know hopefully they can you know acknowledge that that was a complete waste of everybody's time you know what i mean oh yeah i mean I, i've got sheriffs in because I, I spend a lot of time um interacting with people who have to move would have to move left politically to wear sheets um primarily because of the dogs i'm into which are used for hunting hogs down south so i relate to a lot of those people i have lieutenants in backwoods louisiana parish sheriff's departments going you know what and saying these things publicly you know what i really would rather bust someone who's drunk and this has never been a big problem for us yeah, no, so, so them it was easy pickings usually. I mean, that's that's been the whole... And so it depends on the cop if they have any kind of soul or not. But if the ones who don't pretty much love the idea of keeping cannabis illegal because it's, they know it's the easiest people to bust, there's never an issue. Armed robbery with a badge and you're going to be safe while you do it. Exactly. And then the, the ones who actually have a heart, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones who are like, you know, part of Leap or part of, you know, they, they see the problem and they, they understand that if they could not have to waste... Because, I mean, you know how much paperwork's involved for, like, one possession charge is ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense because they know that it's a victimless crime. So for them, it's just like, okay, if we could not have to deal with that, we would be so much more effective as a police force, you know? Right. And that's essentially what he said. And then beyond that, although he didn't say it, there's our prison beds that right now are being occupied by people who haven't hurt anyone. Uh, and there's people out there, <laughs> there's people doing life for cannabis. And, and I know that while I was sitting, because I did state as well as federal, um, while I was sitting there, I watched child molesters come and go 
and I was there for pot. That just... You you look at like Jeff Mazinski who finally got out after how many years? 20-some on a life sentence for a plant? Good God. It's, it's, but here we are in, as you said, this renaissance. And it, it, it truly is a renaissance. 1985, right? We're 30 years later and we're back a little further than we were before Green Merchant. Because 1985, we were advertising grow equipment in price wars on the number one radio station in Portland. 1985. No, I know. There's like been moments in time where you're like, all right, it's three years, three to five. You know, we're sure, yeah, we're, yeah. And then, it, and then it happens like, well, that, that didn't happen. That happened in the 70s, in the 70s with Carter for a minute there when everybody got all, ooh, it's going to happen, you know, and then all of a sudden that didn't happen. And yeah. then again in the 80s, mid 80s, and then again in kind of in the 90s and the mid 90s with California, you know what I mean? It's like, so every yeah. 10 years or so, there's this like, all right, it's going to happen, you know what I mean? And now, 40 years later, we're actually. Some happens. It's happening. <laughs> it's really happening. You know? And and I'm here in in a state that in some ways was ground zero. In 1973, Republican, you hear that, folks? Republican Governor Tom McCall signed the first decrim bill in the United States. It's 42 years later. When that passed, I thought we were within five 1989, Judge Francis Young says it's arbitrary, capricious, and unreasonable that this not that, that this remain in Schedule One. Here we are. How many years later? Thirty-six years later. Almost two generations, modern generations later, and the government's still saying the same lie in one part, patenting it in another, and just now came out with a list of its medical effects. I mean, the government did this thing up from the Cancer Institute, and yet I have friends who are sitting in prison for growing a plant that truly is the last resort for a lot of people. It's hard. <laughs> really hard. So, with that intro, which yeah. frankly was a, a very a very do intro, I'm, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh and I'm glad I'm glad to introduce you to our audience. Hopefully, uh, in, in such a capacity that you can be a regular, because obviously we we can talk to you forever. Uh, <laughs> the chat room is clamoring for info on the Northern Lights. Okay, they want to hear everything you can tell them about it. Um, let's see. As far as I know, and this is what I was told by Greg, and apparently was what he was told by Herbie, who developed it. There was a plant for quite a while down in California that, you know, we hear three different plants called it now uh, or have their names based on it. The Brotherhood of Eternal Light and more specifically um, Big Bobby Andrus came back from Nepal in the mid-60s with a pocket full of seeds from Mazar-e-Sharif, which is a valley and a town. In Afghanistan, it's in if I remember correctly, it's in Balk Province. Well, this Mazari Sharif stayed Mazari Sharif. Was also called Afghani. It became called Kalgani Hashbud when they started figuring out. Okay, cold nights. It became purple Kalgani Hashbud. That's one of the things that went into the original Northern Lights. The other, you hear about AK forty-seven. AK stands 
people think it's they're talking about the gun. No, it's Alaska. You hear about ATF, right? Which is short, polite, Alaska Thunder. I won't say the other word because we're in prime time. No, but not. it starts with an F. No, you can say whatever you want. Okay, yeah. they call it Alaska Thunder. Fuck. Oh my now, God, you can't say that. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That in turn came from Matanuska Thunderfuck. And Matanuska Thunderfuck, the original Matanuska Thunderfuck, the real deal, came from the Matanuska Sui Valley up in Alaska. And what was so special about it was that it was some kind of weird mutant sativa that would, and nowadays I'm inclined to believe that what probably was going on is there was probably a Rudy somewhere in the mix. Mm-hmm. But here was this weird sativa that actually finished out in Alaska. Yeah. So now we had this really quick finishing. We would get the sativa high calyx to leaf ratio and the big calyxes. Mm-hmm. And, in, and the sativa, excuse me, the indica resonation, which was the same thing that we were also trying to do when we were crossing the Thai Afghani crosses. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of what happened there goes back to the Brotherhood and Big Bobby um, and to Sacred Seed. You know, the surfer guys that, that went up in the hills and planted the bootleggers that in 63, their bosses came to them um, and said, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Here's a shovel. That's, uh, that happened up above Aptos. And that's, you know, uh, other than um, late 50s in Laredo, that's the first time I know of white boys doing commercial cannabis um which i mean it, i know it shouldn't make a, a big deal but we certainly did that well you know and that's the other thing too is alaska is another one of those places that back in the day when we were like really you can they have signs outside of the shops and like you know, <laughs> because they were so desperate to get people to go up there to you know, work and they know that at the end of the day guys working in an oil you know oil yeah. or something like that if you're smoking a joint ain't gonna ain't gonna hurt you know yeah. Well, and the Supreme Court up in Alaska found that there was a constitutional right under Alaska's constitution to possess and smoke cannabis. Huh. And then the Fed said, we are going to cut off your highway funds. Now, this was pre-pipeline. Yeah, okay? Okay. We are going to cut off your highway funds if you do not keep it illegal. And they were like, we don't care because our highways suck. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Except that they also use that money for the Alaska Marine Ferry System and or Marine Highway System, and that actually is a pretty good thing. Um, it's useful. I've I've sat in a can on a Canary Island waiting for the boats. <laughs> it sucked. Yeah, but, you, you um, want them to be paid for. Yes. <laughs> but um, going back to the Sea of Green, this this Mat- or not Sea of Green. I'm sorry, Northern Lights, the Matanuska. The true Matanuska Thunderfuck got crossed with the Kalgani Hashbud, and as far as I know, that's Northern Lights 1. Interesting. So we've got some Nepalese in there, which is pretty awesome, because that's like one well, of Well, no, there was no Nepalese genetics. Yeah. It was oh, Mazari. Oh, sorry, Afghani, sorry, Afghani. Yeah. Afghani, from, from, from Mazari Sharif. Yeah, which, is, which is funny, because as we're like pretty much still considered, you know, I have guys who brought back, that's exactly where they would bring back seeds to Amsterdam, and then... We'd select out males from that, or you know, and that was like, yeah. and again, it was that real raw kind of weed, really like almost like wasn't really as pungent, which is interesting to see, like because it always had that, like, you know, a lot of them had that that real heavy structure, chalky kind of taste to them almost, and yeah. which was 
kind of what I was always going for. So whereas in, then if you crossed other stuff into that, you know, you kept the structure, but you didn't. It didn't have this heavy flavor, you know. That was well. I had yeah. some. Some of them didn't, and the ones that did have the really heavy flavor were more greeny and weird, and I didn't like them anyway. You know, so I was always like, no, no. just go for the chalky ones. No, I, I had, I was fortunate enough that the, the reason that I think the reason they were called hash buds for a while in California, and it may be that they had been crossed a little more by sacred seed or someone had evolved somewhat, but they, the buds looked like someone had taken and carved them out of hash. I mean, obviously not exactly, but had taken a, a pin, carved them out of hash, and stuck red hairs on it. Wow! It was it was amazing. That 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 yellowy green lime, slightly chartreuse color that everyone says. Well, all the hydroponic pot used to look like that. Why do, why doesn't it look like that anymore? Because we're not using Peter's twenty 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 and five fifty seventeen is why. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, pff, who wants that? We know what that stuff was like on the lungs. Although some of it was pretty fun. <laughs> uh, we always say people like it a little dirty, you know. Give me a little dirt. <laughs> I like it. But, um, yeah. So the so, Northern Lights is, just to confirm, is the basically that Mazar crossed with the original True Alaskan Thunderfuck. Yes. And which one was the male in the cross, the ATF? I or don't know. Okay. I, I would love to know because I, I'm, as you know, I'm hunting. I hear a rumor that a friend of Herbie's still has the original, That'd be great to and hear. that he's been breeding it. So it's not only the original; mm-hmm. it's stable. Right. Sure. He's inbred it. So, that, how did that go from the one to the five? Was that just a, a line of incrossing? Is that all Neville's numbers? I, I'm good. Yeah, those are Neville's numbers. So five. So like the two and the five came from Neville, and the one just was what it was. Right. Okay. Now, question. I remember when um, JJ from uh, came over, and he came from Seattle also. He was like, well, he was in NorCal and Seattle, I guess, back and forth. Yeah. And he brought over some genetics that were pretty interesting to Amsterdam in the, let's see, around 93, I guess it was, 92, 93. And he had, um, he had one that was called Gordon's, and that was like, it seemed like it came from the same family also. It was like a little pit bull kind of plant. It um, if it's the one I'm thinking of, and now I, I was away at the time um, <laughs> from 89 on till 2005, except for eight months. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a guy, I, because of who he, there's a guy involved with the lighting business in Portland, and I would almost bet that that would be the Gordon there. Yeah, yeah it could be, it could be, because it was definitely... My my guy was uh, JJ was very well connected with that stuff, and he brought what was funny was as you said earlier about parabolic hoods and stuff, and he brought over all parabolic hoods. We set them all up in his barn, and so we really had like that American looking uh, grow in Holland, where everybody else in Holland had horizontal hood, horizontal bulbs, and everybody was growing with the wings, you know. And so right. um, he had pretty much come straight from the states. He brought his genetics with him. He actually had also, because um, he had met Neville, and he had traded some genetics with Neville and the thing. So that's why I feel he's in the same yeah. same camp there, you know. But he had brought, um, so he, Neville had given him what turned into the Shiva skunk eventually, which was the Northern Lights skunk one, and then back cross, I think, to Northern Lights again, I believe is what it was. Mm. Um, and that, uh, and so he had it before <laughs> since he even had it, which was interesting because I was working at Sensi. And so this guy comes in, he brings these cones, he tells me, you know, I got them from Neville. And so it was interesting because about then about what, maybe a little less than a year later, 
since he purchases all of Neville's genetics, and now they have it. So we had a good like eight month or longer jump on the company that I'm working for with the same. <laughs> so I'm like, and, and I remember telling him like, dude, this this is like this is incredible right here, you know. And they were like, well, we have everything and we don't need it, you know, because they were very much content with what they were doing. Yeah. But then behind the scenes, you know, I didn't know that they were bailing Neville out of jail and paying him, you know, yeah. and getting him back to Holland and doing all that in trade of his genetics, you know. So it was pretty yeah. pretty interesting to be there, like, same as you. Like, that was my Forrest Gump. It was one of my Forrest Gump moments, you know. <laughs> I got a lot of those, too. <laughs> like right on. Um, there was, let me see, there, there was something that you were saying that, uh, um, <laughs> no dead air. There, <laughs> there was, um, with that cross and and that went over there, there there was a lot of like back and forth stuff that that I think has um really really shaped stuff. Like people talk about Rudy, uh, and they don't know that a lot of those early strains had some Rudy mixed in. We wanted shorter, but we also most of those that smell really really outstanding. If you go back far enough, you're going to find a Rudy in their background. It was the only that in short crop was the only things we really got from that mm -hmm. but we did get that wonderful smell what, what kind of ruderalis genetics were coming in uh there was some from god i want to say um go, go further east germany poland um romania romania maybe Roma i think i think it was romania or one more east um but it was it was right on the border of asia and europe mm-hmm I know that much, um, and it got mixed in a little. We saw, we saw that go to Thai, and that that got crossed with um, Calgany a lot too. Yeah, I you know the, the thing with Ruderalis too is they they were really hot on it right in Holland, I think also because they also had a hard time um, getting anything to really finish tight, you know, in, in, a, yeah. in a good schedule because of the uh, the problem with there is there's a lot of light pollution too. You're in a small place. And it's like you know, you're you're not getting. There's hardly any southwest facing slopes. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's no yeah. slopes. It's, it's all flat land. So so they always had a hard time just finding the right stuff. And I think they all got excited about it. I got really. I was really nervous about growing any ruderalis there because I was always like, ooh, I don't want to mix this into my stuff just because I, I could see like with they had that ruderalis indica that they sold from Sensi. They still do, and that was literally Northern Light Five and a ruderalis. So they went for the the complete opposite spectrums you know and yeah. and you would get pretty much about 25% of them would be just full Northern Light 5 25% of them would be full Rudy and then the other 50% would be somewhere in between so yeah. you so I saw with the full Ruderalis stuff coming out like wow that's pretty hempy and ropey and there's like you know I, I was like mm, no it seems too risky you know and uh, I had other friends I had guys who had never bred before started breeding with some ruderalis and got really phenomenal results, but it also didn't really have the stability on long-term, you know what I mean? Like, after about two, yeah. two or three years, it was like, now it's looking like <laughs> hempy stuff that we didn't really want in the first place. So. Right. Well, and I think part of that, too, um, for people growing indoors, that, that ropiness, um, people tend to forget that we've got 30 years of sodium of largely sodium adaptation. Mm -hmm. So what we've got are plants that are going to do really well in large measure under sodiums, although full spectrum is so much healthier for the plant, um, it's not even funny. But uh, 
we, we have these sodium adapted strains, which of course at first are going to be rangy. They're going to be lanky. They're, they're not getting that blue that stubs them. Right. Um, although there's been some interesting stuff lately, like uh, doing monochromes. Someone did blues and got got longer plants out of blue than than um, than with red monochrome. Hmm. It was weird. Yeah, like but, opposite um, what you would think. Yeah, I mean, huh? But um, it was it was in large measure, I think, strain dependent. That's why so many came out that way uh, and got rejected. You know, oh, this isn't working very well. This isn't a good strain. Let's go here. Right. Right. No, I think right now we're also in the real changes with lighting. Like the lighting is, it's every day there's a new sort of technology coming out. People are starting to uh, think outside the box, which is awesome. People are also thinking about energy conservation. They're thinking about, you know, working under these. Because the thing is, what's also going to happen too is like up until now, you know, we've kind of adapted technologies that weren't even made for what we're doing them. And now they're purposely made for this job, but at this, as this job becomes legal, you know, and as like uh, I was with Farmer Tom the other day over in Vegas, and you know, he had the feds out on his property to analyze the work sort of uh, side of this whole game, and part of that is going to be working under lights. And if you're going to be working under lights for forty hours a week, you better have better have the idea that those lights are safe because you don't want to have like for instance uvc is not a good thing to have and no and and that's some of those lights are emitting uvc the new you know my favorite the ceramic metal halides they have a high uvc sort of output so you don't got to be careful working under them you know what I mean? really yeah I, uh, yeah so that's there's certain things hmm, you know as new technology comes out it's like it's like anything you got to like double you know we don't know yeah. until it's being used and then at a certain point when you know, it's not like everybody has a way to analyze their lighting and go, hey, this thing's throwing out UVC. But if you had real fair skin and you were working under that, I'd be, oh, pretty, you'd know pretty, it. I'd be pretty nervous about it. You know what I mean? So uh, um, That's interesting because when, when Bruce Bugby down at the University of Southern Utah, um, he ran uh, the DEHPSs and he ran the Cycloptics 315 CMH, uh-huh. which, of course, was a Phillips uh, bulb. Yeah, but he has a double bulb. That's the reason why those ones don't have the UVC. So that, that Cycloptics is the one company that actually knows about that. They're the ones who told me about UVC. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, thanks, Flip. He's like, okay. yeah, you don't run those single-jacketed bulbs because the single-jacketed bulbs, um, are they, that's, the, that's the, the reason the double ones have it, to protect you from that and also obviously from explosions or anything like that. Well, yeah, which is, um, you know, it is a concern, although <laughs> given um, the recall on uh, on the big DEs, there was a like thing. It was last year. Uh-huh. There was a huge recall. Given that, because um, they were bursting, yeah. I've, I've I've run CMHs. I uh, I've got the old. I've, I mean, I've got, pretty much if you can name a type of piece of equipment, I've got at least <laughs> one of them in my collection. Right. I mean, including the old paraboloid. Uh, one guy made single bulb fluorescents that had a paraboloid sh- uh, reflector in back of them. Wow, weird. But uh, but where I was going is I've got the LifeLight high-speed spinners that they were making, uh-huh. uh, that, which they aren't anymore. Knock you out? Did you, knock, but, you ever get well, knocked they, out by one? <laughs> no, no. You're too I, small. I, You're too small. You'll never get knocked out by No. <laughs> the, uh, let's see. The, uh, the single one rotated at 60 RPM, 
it just about knocked me out once. Yeah. Uh, the, the doubles, every single one of the doubles has a dent in the end of it that exactly is the shape of my skull. Nice. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but they only went at 30 RPM, so while it would startle you, yeah, yeah. it didn't really hurt much, no. except the time that, I, that it hit me, knocked me down, and I damn near impaled myself on a bamboo stake. It's all about the bamboo stake. Yeah, the bamboo stakes are the worst. <laughs> they suck sometimes. Yeah. But um, where I was going with it is I've run CMHs now for about eight years as one of the blow as as one of my standbys running them in there and that was with the four hundreds and they were double walled they worked really well um they they can be a little warm but we're i never really ran into um much burning from from c and where i was starting with it with dr bugby is he says i mean i don't know if if you measured it or if you went by what they're putting out as an SPD, although I don't think they show the C on it. He says that they're actually overstating uh, the violet in their SPD. Okay. Um, now, uh, there's a... Uh, <laughs> well, now it's interesting is that people have, are starting to figure out how to, uh, like with the LEDs especially, there's completely tunable, you know, you can figure out what spectrum you want to work with, which then makes it kind of like great. So now we can have a lot of human error involved instead of just, you know, like, oh, you had it all set. You had your light set wrong, you know what I mean? But that's that's kind of where it's going, what, I think, now. Well, what I see coming, I mean, th this is my prediction for the future. We are going to see, for the most part, people, large-scale move to light depth, lights up greenhouses yeah uh led is one or two generations from really being ready to be a greenhouse supplemental they have to get their lensing more together yeah and and this bigger new diodes bigger diodes maybe. diodes yeah. and also the um the 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 hybrid organic uh and and the old style leds they're just now getting that figured out i think we're going to see that in back of good lenses mm -hmm being used for greenhouse supplementation, which is going to run probably off banks of Tesla batteries, the big ones, because they have economies of scale. You have to get huge before they really do work very well. But wind-charged, solar-charged, that's going to be our power. Um, I think we're going to see geothermal pre-treating of our HVAC. I think people are going to start paying attention to thermodynamics. They're going to realize, well, yeah, hey, if, if you're building it, if you should do, that's the design you should be thinking of. Yeah, li liquid carries heat. Li liquid transfers thermal energy better than air ever could why aren't we seeing you know chillers being well we are starting to see chillers cerna is starting to do that somewhat we're not seeing you know no one or hardly anyone anymore is looking at the ancillary equipment or wasn't but now are because of legality in or quasi-legality in, in the various places that we're seeing it um my my saying quasi is because i can't fathom why we're seeing a model other than the liquor industry it just got I, well, yeah, you guys got screwed on that well in 50 the 502 guys did yeah. uh, measure 91 did measure 91 three different places was very specific that it would not in any way impact the oregon medical marijuana program and the first thing the committee to implement measure 91 the senate committee the joint house and senate committee to implement measure 91 did is they started screwing with medical and now there was a game or not a game but a technicality in oregon's laws that basically a care Caregiver, there were three positions with any given card. A caregiver could have an unlimited number of patients. Yeah. 
a grower could have a maximum of four patients. Hmm. A patient could be their own grower or have someone grow for them. So the way that big guys were able to do it legally is they would have the, they would become the caretaker who was allowed to take care of the plant, be in the presence of the plants for the patient. The patient would be their own grower. So now you stack 60, 80 cards where you've got six plants per card. And now I, it is entirely possible that there was some abuse. You know, I'm not no. going to deny that they're probably... I know it's shocking, but I yes... Mean, cannabis people abusing the system? No. Exactly. That just makes, that. I've never heard of that. No. But um, what happened was that we developed a way by doing that where the indigent patients who, honestly, most people who truly need, radically need, are in desperate need of cannabis for therapeutic purposes also happen to not have a whole heck of a lot of money. And they should be free for them. Well, that basically the system we had medically, which, by the way, if it, was if, if it had been violative of the Cole Memorandum, wouldn't we have had a whole bunch of raids all those years? We had medical dispensaries and medical growers, and we had like five or six federal raids in all of that time. Um, but... I'm sorry, I scattered all over there with that. Oh, it's our style. <laughs> but, shotgun, shotgun yeah. effect. <laughs> okay, but stacking the cards, right, then the patient would get anywhere from one, which was the tight-ass motherfuckers giving it to them, to three pounds a year. And that was for the use of their card. They they didn't have to pay a single penny. What we would then do is we would take the surplus, having been authorized by the patients to distribute that surplus to other patients, we would donate it to outlets who would then reimburse us our costs. And the patients, of course, were fine with, then they would don't re-donate that to us in order for us to be able to keep doing the things. Basically, reach around, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big, cannabis, a big cannabis reach around. Yes. That's yeah. an uncomfortable term for me, having done as much time as I did. <laughs> <laughs> Never did any of that, but yeah. still an uncomfortable... <laughs> still looking over your shoulder, right? Like, yeah. At least I want a damn kiss <laughs> on the neck. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But um, so that was the way that we were doing it. And there is no provision under what's happening with Measure 91. And they're not admitting it, but they so far they've put REC through the medical dispensaries. And in theory, they're going to um, bring in strictly REC stores. But I don't see it. I mean, it makes no sense. When you've got a system that's working, I think they're just going to let more people come online and do both. Or they're just going to stick with the ones that there are and go, well, we've already got a distribution system. Uh, OLCC will contract w with the Oregon Health Authority to be our distribution network. So quick question about go yes. going way back to uh, old Ed. Cause okay. I, I just got a text from a friend of mine who said, "If is he Captain Ed too? No, that's Ed Adair. That's it. Oh, he's the head shop guy, right? Yeah, that that was that that was the link between Ginsburg and Jack, and Jack Herrer. Okay, okay. Ed, yeah. Lay that out for me, because I went to Naropa, so Ginsburg's an interesting part of my lineage. Okay, Ginsburg and Kerouac were like most of the beatnik people in the fifties, including my mom. 
puffing reefer. Sure. So they go out on, on the trip that's on the road, and all I really know, and I got it out of Martin Booth Cannabis, a history, um, is that Ginsburg had a friend down by Laredo who, as far as I know, was the first European-American to be growing commercially for social use. Um, now, Ginsburg takes seeds from that over to City Light in San Francisco. Uh, the beatniks and the surfers up in Santa Cruz start kind of blending together and then hippies happen but while that's going on a lot of the surfers made their money as bootleggers um one friend who i will call jim m was one of those original people and and jim was um you know jim was a bootlegger he was he, uh, working for a bootlegger and that's where that when i said earlier one day the stills were gone and they handed him the shovels and said here's what we're doing now uh, that's where Sacred Seed Company developed down in Santa Cruz. And then um, when they got busted and uh, <coughs> Sam Jingles slash Dave W. went to Holland, he took what was left of the Sacred Seed Library with him, too. But that, that's, that was Kerouac's and Ginsburg's association. Plus, Ginsburg started something, the first legalization organization, which was called Legalized Marijuana. And Captain Ed, who was part of the yippee hippie thing, right. was, was really interested and got in with it. Now, around that time is when we see Steve Hager organizing a bunch of the, who had been yippies into what was called the freedom fighters and there you've got jack ed adair kenneth galbraith um god there were more but i can't think of them right off the bat and that's where you, it, it's amazing if you if you trace it back political activism on on cannabis pretty much that's where the seeds are planted and then it's almost like you dropped a, a rock in the water and it sort of rippled out but there was another rock back in new york and it's just now starting to reach the middle of america right right and, but, well, again know. again like we were saying earlier how it's always at the same time you know what i mean people all thinking the same thing trying to do the same thing make the same moves well, and, and we got really lucky because we had Tom Forsad. You know, here's a guy who's he's flying in and shipping in preposterous amounts of cannabis. And instead of just kicking back and being selfish, he pretty much establishes a tradition that a lot of us then followed, which is he took a lot of his money and he made social change with it. He gave Keith Strop the money to found Normal. He he is who started High Times. Yep. His money. This is an amazing guy. Hardly anyone knows about Tom Frasad, but more people should. Uh, myself, I'm hoping that someday we're going to have a Cannabis Hall of Fame um, because there are people who belong in it. There are people that the kids today, who I'm very proud of because they're doing amazing things, but they have no idea of the giants whose shoulders they're standing on. Of course. Yeah, no, no. It, it, and it, it, I think you get that a lot with the, with Jack because a lot of kids think that Jack was a grower. So they're like, yeah, Jack Carrar, you know. And I'm like, he's not a grower. He had nothing to do with the growing of that plant. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, really? I thought he was the one who made the plant. You know, and it's like, no. Do you, you know, here's a book. Read this book, please. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Start reading. But it is interesting because it's going to be like that even 
quicker and quicker as we go generation by generation of people who are coming into this industry, you know, because I bet, I mean, if I was 15 years old right now, I'd be like pretty much, I mean, I I think of myself at 15, obviously cannabis was pretty interesting to me. Now it's like a totally realistic thing. Like it could, you're not crazy for that being what you want to do when you you're not crazy at all. And you know, and how many people have, you know, Mitch or you or I met, who have been like, I want to be like you, and I, you know, like, you know, like, it's like, well, you, things change so rapidly that it, you'll never get a chance to because it's going to be so sort of more normal really soon, which is, which is good. I mean, we want that. It's interesting you should say that because the book that started me, uh, it, it's 1970, and I'm reading a book by a man named Bill Drake called The Cultivator's Handbook of Marijuana. Yeah, I know that. And on that, particular day that I was reading it, um, a lot of us were very into pharmaceutical spiritual, or pharmaceutical spirit quests, if you will. Um, (laughs) uh, And I happened to do that that day, and to this day, as ridiculous as it sounds uh, from the outside, I had a fairly extended communication with the avatar of Shakti, who appears as Ganja, and I was told that this is what I would be doing for the rest of my life. Now, it was Bill Drake's book who started it. Uh, it's Bill Drake who is editing my second book. Cool. That's so awesome. I, yeah, it really is. And and I have his permission. I'm calling it The Cultivator's Handbook of Cannabis. So it's, you know, I get to continue a tradition. And I'm hoping that kids are going to, you know, will understand history. In, a, in another world, in an alternate dimension, I probably would have been a college history teacher because I love... You look like a teacher. You got the, you got the teacher look. The vibe, too. It's the bald, short Jewish thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, Mitch, Mitch is on his I'm way. I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm going to have to shrink. But, kind of, but you will. Don't worry. You're Jewish. That happens. It happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. happens to all the Jews. They all shrink. <laughs> <laughs> Internal structural integrity isn't yeah, there. Yeah, something that just like, eh, and they go down a few inches always. <laughs> well, of course, you know the real... It's because we have extra inches elsewhere that the rest of the world hates us. Ah, there you go. Good answer. Good answer. Sure. No one's going to say no's. No one's really? All right, we'll let it go. We'll let that go, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> let's, I mean, that's why we can afford to take a little off the end. Um, <laughs> you should, so, you've used these jokes before, Adam. Yeah. You know, I practice, you know. I try to be funny. I try to make people enjoy what I say to them. And I'm not bright enough to come up with new stuff. So if I come up with something good, yeah. I recycle it. <laughs> that's right. So... What do we got here? 127. We got three minutes left. I think we're definitely going to do a bring back. Chatroom's oh, loving it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, plus, there's, there's the upcoming uh, debate. If Russ doesn't back out, he had agreed to it, about whether or not legalization at any cost is accurate and worthwhile, and whether or not his statement that the only, that, that, um, the only medical marijuana is, is Charlotte's Web and Sativex. This is coming from someone who's supposed to be one of the... Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got a bigger audience than us. You know, and the thing is that I've always said to people, like when people, like when when people would ask me, like, so what uh, strains that you have? Which ones are medical? And I'm like, they're all medical. What are you talking about? Like, it's just different things for different people. Some might work with this one. You know, that's the whole. That's the fun part about cannabis is finding your your matching strain there. You know what I mean? Because and and if it's from a medical point of view, I would say it's a fun part, but it's part of the learning curve of what you need and the thing is the main key is that 
it's not about it's never one strain you know what i mean you have that honeymoon effect with any strain and then you're done you know what i mean like you can't say charlotte's web's going to solve all your problems because it's not it's not only going to solve one group's problems and maybe not all of them too you know yeah and it's all about well, diversity well and and you know even once you do find the strain you have to hope that whoever had that strain next had actually that strain not some other thing being called that name then that it was grown the se- the right way the same way that it was harvested this, you know yeah. me i want standardized protocols and marking on the packages with bar graphs with a perforation in the middle of them so that the end user can have that that part that he tore off walk into a shop and say hi i want some of this and get what it was they were after yeah and that's been, i mean there's literally because we're cottage industry style and everybody's been doing things from, you know, nobody, very, very few people have been coming in from like a pharmaceutical angle. You know what I mean? They've been coming in from like, okay, I'm going to, you know, produce what I can and I'm going to get it out to my patients and then I'm going to get some feedback and then I'm going to, you know, t- you know, hone it in. Well, and, it, so, and, it, and it takes so a while. Far, so far, three states, regulatory agencies and 40 labs are on board with my idea of, um, creating standardized protocols and uh, there's a system of data collection associated with it which will be prepaid postcards 20 questions you you either circle or check uh, they come in there's a bar graph at the bottom that is the mirror image of the bar graph that the patient has they circle it they send it in when we've got 10 or 20,000 of them we're going to be able to figure out the clusters of profiles that seem to work for patients with particular conditions, eliminate what isn't there, and then take what we eliminated and try to figure out why, what the differences are for each of the profiles working for each of those patient groups. But until we have unified, standardized protocols, it's meaningless. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's the same with testing. It's kind of, kind of the same with the whole... Uh, cannabis industry is like getting everybody on the same page. Yeah. You know, having our testing becomes something of a standardized testing because, of course, um, you know, we're, people have the money now to put the put the testing equipment right in their space. But if there's no standardization, people won't do it. You know, I mean, no one's going to spend right. half a million dollars just to find out that they're, nobody's taking their test seriously. You know what I mean? But if they could be like, okay, well, look, we're going to, you know, and that's like when we had those Sage guys on, the Sage Analytics guys. It's just like even if it was you know if everybody just has the same exact equipment and it's all been tuned the same we can all say all right that's a baseline you know but until that until we could figure out how to do that and it's hard because if somebody spent a ton of money on equipment and then a year later that equipment is pretty much redundant you know what i mean and they're gonna have to go and get something new you're gonna lose that guy also best part though uh about my lesson from the stage analytics episode you did as well as the machine, man. It was damn, damn close. So I got this book that says even specifically that, uh, you know, for terps and things like that, that the nose, it's like a medical school textbook on aromatherapy. Yeah. And it says that your nose is as as or more accurate than laboratory tests for terpenes. So why can't your consciousness be as or more accurate a test for Yeah, it's, I mean, cannabis? well, but at the same time, we do want to have, everybody wants to see a, some data, you know what I mean? Well, it's, all, it's all about data. If it's legit, sure. sure. Where without that data do we go to Western medicine and say, here is quantifiable dose with repeatable effect, which without that, Western medicine won't call it a medicine. They'll call it a supplement. They'll call it herbal whatever, but they won't 
acknowledge it. And the only way we can find those entourages where they could even begin to figure it out and be able to go, okay, get this profile because this is what seems to be working for people who have that. Um, without that, it's not medicine in, in the in Western medicine. Yeah, no, it has to be uh, blind tested, and there's all you know. Obviously, a lot of protocols that needs to go through, and that takes starting someplace. How do you figure out where to start? Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is that once it gets into the once it gets to that level, all of us that have been involved for so long are going to kind of like lose interest a little bit. Like, God, now it's in this zone where we really go, ooh, it's too. I mean, it's almost like the more you find out, we love the mystery side. Mm. You know? But I'm I'm a left brain word freak. I have to analyze everything, or or it, you know, I have to describe it to myself rather than just see it, or it won't go into my brain. And in order to describe it accurately, I pretty much have to analyze it. And for me. Recreationally, I don't, I don't, you know, even on social use, I think we can get the information that'll end up being really important uh, as we move. You know, it's going to be gourmet ganja flowers off the ends of the branches, and everything else gonna, is going to be fractionally distilled and recombined for use as oil or medicine. Mm -hmm. Sunny deed. It'll all be sunny deed after that. Right. And and how do, how do you start with? Um, even there, how do you make your 36 most popular flavors and consistently produce them if you don't know what the profiles are? So I'm pretty sure that one of the big alcohol or tobacco or hopefully maybe privateer or um, Martin Tobias, who's already got $100 million of his money in the can not a fund, his money in the cannabis industry, one of those will get behind it and, and put up the money to do it. Like I said, three state regulatory agencies and 40 labs say they'll do it. And it's going to take state regulatory agencies. I hate to say it because I hate government, but this is the kind of thing with the money that's involved that's almost going to have to come from above. And at the same time from demand by the end users for proper testing. That, one of my, I think that was two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's way past two minutes. That's one, of, <laughs> that's one of my soapbox things that I talk about. Uh, we love your soapbox such. stuff. We love it. Anyway, thank you so much thank for you. having me on. I'm going to plug it, my show too. Do I'll, it. I'll plug you guys. Folks, I am on the Time for Hemp Cannabis Network. My website is the farmer, excuse me, is time number four hemp slash Farmer in the Sky Radio Hour. Um, I hope that someday my show will be as well run and smooth as Adam. Believe don't me, we even, get we have some even. occasional crazies. Don't I get some even. great guests just like you do. You we get, get you know we. I feel like us cannabis journalists have a mission, right? We we are getting this information out so far and so wide that corporate cannibal corporate cannabis the the evil part of it. There's some good good sides of corporate cannabis too, but the greed heads are never going to be able to stuff our genie back in their bottle that's the plan. as long as we get the information out. Yeah, no for sure. And, yeah, and, that's, and that's that's kind of the same we always say is like, you know, it's it's Way way past anybody being able to pull this thing in and, and control it completely. You know what I mean? It ain't gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. Which is awesome. I mean, and then and the other cool part is that you know, the guy who has never grown a plant in his life is about to 
get his first seed next, you know, in the next few months, and he's going to start listening to our shows or your shows and yep. getting some information, and he'll have a huge advantage to people like us who have had, had a really like yeah. almost like you know decipher this stuff off of hieroglyphics almost. Yeah. Like, you know, like what are we doing next? So I, I have to say this now because of what you just said. The newbies need bomb-proof strains. As people are doing it for their first time, I want them to not lose it to mites. I want them to not lose it to powdery mildew. So I, I'm working on, I've got my F1s now. Uh, they started out as, Z, as 2002 Z7s. I started with 105. I've deliberately droughted them to the point of falling over where the stems went double. Um, four times I've infested them with spotted mites and with red mites. Uh, and I've given them powdery mildew. Of the 105, I have five left who have survived without any kind of treatment for 15 months in 16-ounce Dixies. They've been fed twice. That strain is coming for the newbies. Exactly. No. Yeah, no, that, those are the critical. Yeah, you know, and it's like it's all by experience. You know, if you come in your room and every single thing in the room is down except for one boy, you're like, well, that might be the one right there. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, testing to destruction takes people who've been at it long enough that uh, they, they know sort of what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks again, guys, for having me on. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Right on. We we appreciate it so much, and we'll look, let's look to do it again soon. I'm looking forward to it, and you guys should come on mine too. We let's do it. it. It's we'll make it happen. All right, I will talk with you guys later. Have a great day. You too, Wolf. Take care, man. Thanks, yep. Wolf. Bye bye. Let's see the kid. You are you're up now. He's, He's going to post it. He's back. Kid, how how many chapters did you get through? <laughs> Answer an email. <laughs> Answer an email. I thought you were writing a book. I'm I thought, sorry. I, I thought he was writing a book too, pretty much. The book, the kid, so the grow guy by the day? kid. So uh, speaking of grow guys, you know, it was really funny the other day okay. when I was in Vegas. Saw a really old friend of mine, uh, Jennifer Shippey. She's Is everybody coming out of the woodwork now? Kind officially? of. She's, well, she's up in Alaska. She actually just happened to be in Vegas during the thing. She didn't, wasn't there for the show, mm. but. She is interested because they wanted to probably do. They're, they're looking into doing a dispensary up in Alaska, and uh, but what's funny? She pulled out her phone, and she's like, "Hey, I've got this thing that you wrote when I was like when she was in Amsterdam when I first moved there, so in '89, and then uh, I gave her some seeds, and she was like, "Well, how do I? What do I do with them?" So then I wrote out this whole thing and drew little drawings and take you know put them in the paper towel and I read the whole thing it was pretty funny it was two pages and she's got photos of it that's great and is it, it was good like literally yeah it was on point dude I was like damn I wasn't too bad even at that point in time I actually knew what I was talking wow. I gave her like a whole you know uh, uh, compost mix it was all organic stuff oh, it was nice. all yeah, it was pretty interesting that's I'm gonna good. I'm gonna get a copy we'll, we'll, we'll post it we'll post it so we now have a Facebook group as of during this show you I heard, heard that we're just complaining there we don't have we don't have, well, where's, where we where's the forum and no one used the forum so now there's a Facebook group you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Adam Dunn show add yourself a bunch you already have all approve you uh, a bunch you already posted some awesome pictures actually uh, Mike Manning posted some pictures uh, of weed uh, weed wild. Wild Chinese, Dude, don't get us in trouble. Wild Chinese land race <laughs> that he encountered. Oh, I saw him. Re I saw him talking about. Yeah, it. it's pretty cool. Look, nice, real sativa. That's oh. what he wanted to know. Yeah, it looks real deal sativa. Yeah, it does. He wanted to know if it had any ruderalis to it. I doubt it. I mean, I don't know. It looks pretty. Yeah, it looks that's, pretty that's, sativa. Yeah, that's the classic. Super classic. 
but interesting, definitely. Uh, and and Jeremy Silva just asked to join the group, which is a good segue well, to him. That means that he's uh, listening to the show. Yep, good. we're gonna do our shouts, and then oh, Kate Ash is in the group. Kate Ash is Kate in Ash the and group. Bike are both in the group. I I, I I'm done it's now. Official? Take over, it's guys. Official? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, Buck Russell. Yeah, we're the flood is on. Yeah. <laughs> it started. I'm done. Um, Kate Ash, you are the uh, minister of memes for the Adam Dunn Show group, of course. So obviously, yeah, he has first priority on all memes. Um, let's do shoutouts. Let's do it, kid. Get on it. Wake up. <laughs> what is we, going you, on? You need coffee or something? What's I'm up? Really bad mood today. Bad mood. You know the computer's going to break down if you're in a bad mood, so you better brighten up. Yeah, Sonny. Get that. Turn that smile. Turn that. Turn that. Turn that frown upside down, buddy. Exactly. Come on, kid. Your hair is looking nice today, though. Yeah, and did you notice you started wearing nice shirts? I know, like you're all being respectable up and hating life. What's going on? Yeah, no, you spiffy up. You should be loving it. Come on, kid. You didn't even have to go to work today. This, this is all you have to do. Push it's a couple. Wow, man! You know, all that work you could be doing. He does need to do some work. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I guess he does. Well, you can still work. The day's only halfway done. When yeah, we're exactly. Done. You have to drive down to Denver. And then Why not? Then crank it like a boss. Yeah, crank it like a boss. Work it out. You don't, have to, you don't have to leave at 6 when you're the boss. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can stay until midnight. Cool. Let's go. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Y- Kid needs a yerba mate. That's what, they, that's what Chris yeah. is saying, and he's right. He is right. Did you uh, get a yerba mate today? No. That's, see, that's, that's pretty much the problem right there. And there you go. There's your yeah. first meme, Minister of Memes. <laughs> <laughs> memes. We need yerba mate memes now. Way to go. Black and never. Who? What happened? What? Dude, what? It's what? on the screen. Huh? Right now. Okay. Wait. It's not on our screens. Not on Way to screen. grow. Black November, he said. Way to grow. Our number one sponsor. Our number one. Number one from the beginning. Since since since, since the before there was an Adam Dunn show, there wouldn't have been an Adam Dunn show. If and I think it was only. I think it's because you. I think that's how it all worked out. I said you actually came to me and said that they were looking for new avenues. And, and I said I got a guy. And then we have created a pretty good avenue. When I was down there, I have to say they definitely respond well to the Adam Dunn show. Like people there in line were going like. Like I had people like asking. Should me we questions. go there with the shirts on? No, I had people in there like asking me, "Hey, when's the next?" Show? Like I was like, "Okay, it's starting to happen." You're like you know, you come in, and they're all happy that you're there, and it's like actually all the people that are like coming and shopping, are even like, "Oh, how much are you getting off of that one?" So you should use my code. So then you know, use the Adam Dunshow code. I want to get the count. Of how many people you I know? Do too. I do You've too. never I gotten it. No, it'd be awesome. I ask so. every time I go in, they say a few people use it every day. So. Every day? That's good. That's more than me coming there. Every yeah. It used to be. Yeah, exactly. Now we're really starting to stack up the points. Can we get higher on the discount? <laughs> so uh, seven locations all over Colorado. Um, my favorite is, of course, Platte River. 1051 Platte River with uh, Tyson running the helm there and keeping everything in ship shape. 20,000 square feet. With Concentrate Corner. With Concentrate Corner. They have pretty much uh, they have all, all the nutrient lines you'll even need. They have uh, great service. They're really cool guys. I heard saw somebody complaining about it, and I was like, you just didn't ask right. You gotta, gotta can't come in like a douchebag. Oh, that depends. <laughs> I used to hate, I used to not like Way to Grow. Well, now you do. It just depends. You on love them. It, yeah, it just depends on, I Don't guess, if you're walking it's, there with a bad it's, attitude. Well, it's because you, because they know you're going to eat all the candy. That's what the problem is. Is they're like, here comes that kid that eats all oh, the candy. I like it now. Oh, now you love them. See, thank you, kid. I'm glad you like them. Good. Uh, Incredibles edible. We're there in. Co- they were there. They were in Vegas, killing it, man. Their booth was so nice. Like they had literally the nicest booth in the whole place. Like they put it. They selling man extractors. I'm sure they're doing good. Yeah, I saw them. I mean, and I feel bad though because Derek's got a. Stand there the whole day, and I know it crushes him. But 
<laughs> but it's like here they just I mean people were super responsive. Slang and extractors right they there. Got, they got it they got a um Las Vegas uh distributor now. So they're they're gonna be in Vegas or in, in Nevada. So that congratulations on that guys. And the kid is needs about twenty candy bars today to make him in a good mood, so I don't yeah. know what's up. Kid. Don't name any of the candy bars, please. Okay. I'm trying yeah, to like, I'm doing reverse don't, psychology. Don't Rever- do it. Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't try to say all of them. Okay. Oh, man. You're not as easy as Nick. Nick's way easier to do <laughs> reverse psychology on. You might have... You may have... Older kid. Nick's older also too. You may have to be yeah. a little, little, little bit quicker than Nick, actually. Good job. But uh, 20 flavors... How many flavors? Got 16 flavors? 17? Oh, they they cut lot. it down. It is about 16. 16 flavors. 12 flavors. What? Eleven, if you don't count the avocado bars, two uh, Oh, I got the kid. There you go. Back. That's <laughs> how you do it. You give him the chance to shine. Shine. I'm just saying, it's eleven bars. In oh, now it's eleven. It was twelve. Uh, it's twelve. But the <laughs> there's a double. There's, there's two avocados. Vanilla avocado. And really? Avocado. I didn't know there was a vanilla. The hundred milligram one is the vanilla chocolate. Oh man. Yeah. But they're all good, so get them. Thanks. Thanks, guy. Thanks, guy. What about oh? We'll do elite. We'll do build the soil last. Oh, I'm steering you to that. Well, we're gonna do elite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, and then dark horse. I've been hooking people up with Marys too. Every I mean, Be- I were they out there, Vegas? I didn't see them. Oh. They could have been. I mean, there were so many people there. I couldn't like maybe, but no. I've been uh, getting that Marys medicinals information out to as many people as I can because that is huge the availability nationwide. I think except for Pennsylvania, because right. Wouldn't trust Pennsylvania. No, sir, or I mean, it's just Florida, Pittsburgh. I think. It's Pittsburgh. Right? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. That's where Tommy Chong got in trouble for some of those That's places. crazy. One spot in one state. Western but, uh, District of Pennsylvania, specifically. There you go. But anywhere else in the country, that's where you get CBD, right? That's where you get CBD and anywhere and, uh, you know, delivered directly to you. So check on that one. And then uh, our boys over there at Elite, I guess they're finally get a break now a little bit because their season's over. Yeah, harvested. <laughs> what are they doing now? Just chilling? They just chill till the next planting season? I don't know. Let's get them back on the show, get an update, see what they are up to. Uh, I know they're putting out their new vape pen. I don't know if you guys have seen that on Instagram. The thing looks amazing. I'll tell you that. Uh, Elite. And they're doing turp-infused CBD oil. Apparently really good stuff. Uh, we should get one, try it out on the show. Let's see what we can do. Of course, big, big shout-out to Dark Horse Genetics. Kid, you want to like put your hoodie in the camera and use it as a, a visual? No, no. That's he's just putting his hood up. That's that's terrible. Yeah, man. Big big shout out to Dark Horse Genetics. Uh, those boys are up and running, doing their thing now. Um, excited to see what they put into production early, early next year, mid next year. Definitely by the Cannabis Cup time, we'll see what they've got going. Looks like a lot of exciting banner crosses, uh, and uh, of course, extracted. And AU Extracts rocking out of their kitchen, uh, pulling a lot of fire, I'm going to be honest. And, of course, the Dark Horse hoodie, Buck Russell in the chat room got one. Um, oh, he got one? Yeah, he won one. Yeah, 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 we sent that out. That's, loving it? You, you, wanna know, you want to know what's cool about Dark Horse? When you win shit, they send it out. Yeah, those guys rock. Did he get it, though? No. Yes? He has it. Yes. Is he wearing it? Uh, post a picture of yourself to the group if you're wearing it, and Adam will send you a pack of seeds if you send him a box of cereal. There you go. I don't really like cereal anymore, though. I can't have my kid have it anymore. So I want to go back to that Wait, story. Oh, didn't tell that. I don't want him because I was as bad as a child. I ate like, I'm in the same like 11 line. cavities or 14 cavities so at one point. So you just restrict the cereal that he gets. 
He has cereal, but he's going to have a... What, like no um, Fruit Loops. Yeah, exactly, and that's what the whole story so no was. Good cereal, what, you want so me to tell the whole story again? We're not, um, we're not done with the shout-outs yet. We can't tell you. No, we can't. We have, we have Jeremy coming. I'll do that at the yeah. end. All right. I'll tell the story at the end of my incredible... Shall I summon smuggling, Jeremy? My smuggling stories. Yeah, we'll do that on the wrap. Do the smuggling stories at the end. Yeah, there we go. You, have, you didn't have to do time for it. You almost did. This is, you almost I, got I caught. Yeah, you almost got caught. It was crazy stuff. We'll go to that story at the end. That's some good stories. Uh, but in the meantime, let's the bring meantime. on Mr. Silva. Oh, kid, get a pillow. We're going to talk <laughs> organics now. You should get one of those neck things, like on the airplane, so you can just pass one. out. I'm going to get it. Upstairs. Go wear it. Yeah, wear it during this episode. Yeah, wear it at your house. You can get whatever you want. You want you Kyle can, Snuggy? It's a weed leaf. You can wear a Snuggy. Yes, he good. does. He doesn't have the Snuggy anymore. I haven't seen it ever. It's a wheat pot leaf Snuggy. I haven't seen it. It's probably wrapped around the sword. It's not. But the sword is like brand new now. So Go get the mind. sword. Go get the sword. Go get the sword. No, Kyle gets mad when I take his things. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Hello, can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. We oh. got chat room questions for you already, Mr. Yeah, they're already out there like, wait, wait, where is that guy? We got questions. <laughs> yeah, right on. I'm not sure if I'm logged in in the chat. I've been hanging out over here getting a little bit of work done. Nice. Uh, I listened to the show. It's been pretty interesting so far. Yeah, totally didn't go the direction I expected, but those are the best episodes. We're leaving all the organics to you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, well, good. I want to bring somebody on uh, in a few minutes, but I wanted to talk about what Mitch and I were discussing as far as where a lot of the Build-A-Soil background comes from. And... Uh, that comes from the forums and you know a few other places, but uh, we we just thought it'd be interesting to share kind of the background of how we got to our recipes, as well as where the no-till living organic soil kind of methodology stemmed from, and uh, you know start from there. And then the person that I'm going to bring on uh, just harvested from a bed indoors with a large volume of soil and did a really good job. And I just wanted to talk to him about that because I get a lot of questions. When about you say really good, though, how good? Well, we'll ask him when we bring him on. Okay. I mean, it, okay. I, I don't know. He'll go over the numbers, and that way there's no you know, misleading or misinformation. Um, and I don't expect anything that's going to be you know, like a million pounds or something crazy, but for having a bed of soil and doing things with just water, um, people need to know what's possible and what will actually work. That way we can get more people on board um, because that's been one of the parts from the beginning that people are concerned with. Obviously, when you're making a change with farming, uh, we're talking about something that's going to take three months, five months, six months, a year down the road uh, to be able to see if there's results. And so no matter who I talk to, if they're an experienced gardener, experienced farmer, grower, whether it's acreage or just four plants, usually people start off slowly when they're changing, maybe one plant, one tent, one row. And so it really helps when we can talk to other people that are interested in the same things that we are, that have the same philosophy is regarding you know why organic whether it's from the beneficial runoff or whether it's from the benefit of the clean medicine or you know whatever uh, the growers after uh, at the end of the day it's nice to talk to people like that and see what they're doing out there and so most of us um, you know a lot of our customers are u- using small containers and I'd say that 90% of the people that start off with living soil uh, one of the things I see happen right from the get-go is that they use a very small container and sometimes they'll also add some of their nutrients in an effort to boost what they fear might be lacking from the soil. And 
a lot of times that leads to pretty poor uh, first-time results. And so I want to talk about what we can do to get around that first-time error and just maybe shave off that first six months or year and say, hey, how do I get better yields still utilizing all these systems? Um, and besides all that, get back to the beginning. So um, you guys have any questions before I just kind of talk about where this all started from? Mm, no, man. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, curious, time. I'm curious to know how far you're taking it back. Okay, I'm not taking it back that far because I'm not a very seasoned grower. And so I'm really curious to see if you can help me connect some of the dots before this. Um, because, you know, we were just talking about cannabis history. You guys were mentioning potential Cannabis Hall of Fame. And I think that it's, it's neat to think about in a few generations there will be people researching a lot of this information. And it would be nice to know if it was accurate. And especially it's going to have to be done by people that were there on the scene during those times. And, um, you know, I really got started... Uh, when I moved to Colorado in '09, that's when it became more of like my everyday life. Before then, it was just a hobby and stuff that I was reading about. And so um, previous to that, previous to Colorado, I would go on the overgrow forums. And I think those started around 99, 2000, kind of in that range. And overgrow, if you haven't heard of that, usually it's the forum that you hear on on the other forums about, hey, remember back in the day? And so Overgrow is where a lot of the growers got together and really first started sharing information with a collective mindset. And previous to that, unless you knew somebody who knew somebody, it was a little harder to get some of these techniques down. And so um, once Overgrow went down in, I want to say, 05, 06, somewhere around there, uh, there was a little bit of a void, but there was definitely a lot of other forums out there. And so where I became a little bit more active and got over my fear of posting online was, was on ICMAG. And so ICMAG... Um, I really don't know how long that one's been around. I'd imagine it got more popular probably after Overgrow. Yeah, so definitely. It was around It was around a little before, but it didn't pick up till after, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like it was before, right? Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. And so after the transition, I went, I kind of took a hiatus. One of my buddies was growing in California. I, When I was living out there before, I really got into it. Um, like I mentioned, I'd used Overgrow as a little bit of a resource. So I went back looking for it, wasn't around. I found ICMAG, joined up, and I started talking to a few different people. And I was still convinced that I wanted to try hydro because I'd already done some soil. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do deep water culture. I'm going to do recirculating deep water culture. I'm going to do, uh, you know, uh, hempy buckets. I'm going to do whatever method there is. And I think that anybody who gets into this hobby and starts experimenting, uh, we immediately, we all have this desire to get better and to improve the quality and to do better in yield. And so we all start changing things a lot, especially as a rookie. You're like, oh, this nutrient bottle line is going to be the best. This new method, oh, my God, look what that grower did. He, it's the best I've ever seen. I'm going to switch to his methods. Yep. And so where that stopped for me was finally when I got to living organic soil and when, I've got, when I finally got enough failures under my belt and enough problems and overcome them where I was like, okay, there are definitely more than one way to do this. Like, all these things work. It's just what do I want to put my time and investment into really dialing in and getting good at? And so the only thing where there's congruence for me was I was eating organic you know, food. I wanted to grow organic food, and I was curious about how to make sure that I could do that and still have it be nutritious. And so that's where a lot of the research came in about Monsanto and about corn and soy and all these other things that kind of wove their way into my life. I always tell people cannabis is a gateway plant because it'll – it'll open your eyes to a lot of what's going on out there and start to ask questions about our food and everything else. So uh, fast forward, um, in ICMAG, there was a thread that you guys can still look up right now. And it's, if you were to go to Google and type in the words like recycled organic living soil from start or from start to recycle, 
something like that. You'll see the original forum exactly or the original thread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's been it's been chopped up a little bit. I don't know how much because there are hundreds of pages on there. And when that was active, it was like if you stepped away for a day from that thread when it really got rolling, you'd miss three pages and you'd have to catch up. And yeah, you had to it be was plugged in. You had to be plugged yeah. in. Or yeah, you had to be plugged in or, or else you'd miss something. And then you'd go back and then it was so far past where it was harder to bring up questions about those topics. And so if you want to just start there, you can see some of the back and forth. And what I really like about that is you see everyone come in and ask questions. And so here's where build a soil really formed its foundation as far as learning from Clackamas to use deductive reasoning and to ask questions about every ingredient. And until then, I just considered almost anything that was an organic ingredient to be good. And then I realized, wow, all the stuff I'm seeing on the shelves at the stores, um, obviously they're there to make a profit, and you know that's what business is for, so I understand that. But when you look at the ingredients, you can see that the lowest dollar amount ingredients are typically the largest quantity in there. So you look and you see uh, cotton meal, feather meal, soy meal, all these things that when you follow over to the farming industry are typically owned by the big corporations, heaviest GMO, the most heavily pesticide sprayed. And there's a lot of profit all the way down the line for all of those producers. And then they sell the waste product to the organic farmers. And I've I got to say, they must be laughing at the end of the day. But um, when I started realizing that, I was offended. And I started to really ask questions. And that's what that thread was about. What about this kelp? What about this rock dust? What about that ingredient? And all of the people that were further ahead than us at that time would sit there and they'd answer the questions. It was a really unique insight into a veteran grower's garden without having to actually uh, risk sharing those people and letting them to your house and all of that. So uh, more people were posting pictures, more people were sharing information. And so that's where this whole no-till soil thing kind of really started. And those that are just getting involved in it, it, it seems so much more basic, I think. It's like, well, do I want to grab a bag of soil or do I want to grab some nutrients? And so when you start thinking about making your own, that's where the involvement gets really deep because you can go a thousand different directions. And so. Over the next couple of years, there was private groups that were created in the, backs, in the back end of ICMAG because there was too much arguing and too much bantering within the forum. And so if you really wanted to get answers without some of the politics involved and kind of hear the, really how the grower felt about the situation, oftentimes you'd private message them or you would be back uh, in the private group asking the smaller group of people what they really felt about it. And you get some really unique information. Uh, and that's where I found out that you really didn't have to cook soil for months at a time. And maybe you didn't need to use compost tea every single watered. And all of these questions were being challenged nonstop. And so uh, through all of that, uh, you could, instead of having to do a side-by-side -side grow with 20 different methods in your own garden, you could start to peek into other people's and see, well, that failed. Shoot, I'm not going to try that. Or if I do, I would do this differently. As that evolved, uh, everything kind of fell apart, and that thread got broken up. Most of the people left ICMAG, went to other different sites um, on Grass City or the Seed Depot and other ones that have closed since then. There was a blow-up with Seed Bay and some of the seed offerings that were related to ICMAG. And so uh, through all of that, in that same time frame, that's when things started getting a little bit more okay to talk about in public. And... Um, Mitch, you were actually one of the guys that I, I really looked up to because with Incredible, I felt like you were a respectable person. I liked uh, what you were doing in the industry, and you were the first person I knew that was like smoking on TV and was public about it and gave me hope that maybe I could potentially run a, a business in the industry without it maybe ruining my ruining You don't even future, have to smoke you know? on TV or anything. 
No, mm. and I don't have to do any of that. You already did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because I saw uh, Adam smoking on TV. Yeah. And he saw yeah, Wolfie okay. smoking on TV. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a never-ending. Yeah. So it just keeps on going, and I'm so happy to be you know anywhere in the process, but it, it was it was all really out of selfishness. It was just for me to get the best information to grow the best cannabis and appreciate it as much as I could because I didn't know anybody that had what I was used to getting as far as variety in California. And I mean, you were you were originally a hydro grower, right? Yeah, I originally did uh, you know hydro, and I was like Lucas Formula this, advanced nutrients that, comparing all sorts of different methods. And and you were good. Uh, I, I remember when you first came on the rolls thread, and we, you know we, you check out each other's profiles and shit, and you're like, you weren't you knew what you were doing with hydro. You were growing successfully. Yeah, it, it wasn't that I was failing at hydro and I wanted to try and do something easier. It was that um, there was a couple of events with hydro that definitely caused me to ask questions. And, you know, from flushing and from all of a sudden I started to grow vegetables. So I was like, well, do I put these in there or what do I do? And all of a sudden it was weird. I was like, well, these pink and green neon nutrients are going to go in my tomatoes. I don't know if I'm cool with that. And right. then I started thinking, well, wow, now I'm smoking that? Okay. And so at that time, when I started growing food, I started asking questions, and um, then I started switching over. Like, instead of going straight to organics, I was like, all right, well, I'll try this, like, Florinova bloom instead of the just, you know, regular three-part or the advanced, uh, you know, perfect pH perfect or whatever. And then, of course, when Clackamas Coots just comes and drops knowledge and the thread, and you start to realize that all these different nutrients are a lot of times the same materials repackaged with mostly water and a couple of different of the latest keyword ingredients that are good for marketing and that was the, oh, the, I mean, the crazy thing about having coot on the thread is that for me the craziest thing is when he was able to like lay out the sort of cyclical trends and then oh, you're yeah. like you're like dude that was just hot and oh that's the new thing right now what, what do you mean that was hot before you know yeah and he's like yeah that happened like 10 years ago for I mean, it's almost like talking to somebody who's really far ahead of you like mitch you can relate in music and they're like yeah that's happened before or whatever you're like oh no way it's just it's something that happens and so or when coot really brought thing, it yeah yeah like glass blowers would get on the yep. scene now are like whoa look at this you're like yeah, yeah that, that was, was like, the thing <laughs> we did that in the early 90s yep and um what, what was neat about what what coot did is he brought it so far back because he was doing big tree farms and all sorts of stuff so he could connect the dots behind the scenes to suppliers that you're like, wait a minute, that mycorrhizal inoculant that's in this brand, that brand, that bag, that bag, all these 20 different companies literally comes from the same place, yeah, and oh, I can yeah. go buy it from them in bulk? Oh, no way. Perfect. Right, right. right. Or, it was the same in Holland when I first got there. Like, you know, I worked at a grow shop, but I knew where they were getting all the stuff, so I was like, well, I'm going to go out and check out where they're getting it all. And then I just made my own account out there, and I would buy all my gear from them because I didn't even you know, I was like well I'm not, definitely not buying it from the people that I'm working for and I know how much they're marking it up you know there's no point so yeah. I went straight to the source and then and the funny part is in Holland is the source is literally like you know the guys who build the greenhouses Brinkman is one of the big companies out there and then you go to the you know I'd go to the Gavita factory and I'd go to the just go direct you know there's no reason to to go to the, not that not that I want to take any business away from grow shops but it, if you're growing on a scale at a certain point you really got to decide like oh, you know you're saving or you're going to pay somebody else's bills for them. Yep. The yeah, no, and there's, there, there's value that grow shops provide, though, so that's where they have a niche in the marketplace. A lot of growers need support. They need advice. 
they need hand-holding, and it's very unfair for somebody to spend two hours of someone's time and then go online and buy it. Now, that happens all the time, and I get it, but it's really different when you are saying, I need 20 bottles of this, 10 bottles of that, 10 bottles of that. I've, I've actually never seconds. ordered any like real gross. Like I've ordered like some things online, but not you know like a little weird that they can't get, but I'm, I'm definitely still about supporting local shops when it comes to things that I just need on a daily basis. You know, I don't mind little things, yeah. but it is when you get onto a scale or when you start to think about like, you know, like the first thing I tell people if they want to have a hundred thousand square foot grow is like, well, you might as well just open up a grow shop and be your own customer because you're going to be going through a hell of a lot of equipment in the next, you know, two years or so. So start thinking. Well, about it makes perfect sense. You know, most wealthy or I should say most successful people that I know, you know, we realize people realize right away that there's limited time in the day. So if you can find a way to leverage more income streams or more ways to make your life easier from the same work you're already doing. Like, hey, I'm going to buy a grow lights and I'm going to buy supplies. Why wouldn't I just own a shop and make my life easier? I mean, that makes perfect sense. And it's a great way to use leverage. And that's where the living soil started to be attractive to me was utilizing the leverage of larger volumes of soil, um, leveraging the, the soil's interaction with the plant to take over some of the stuff that as a master grower, so to speak, you have to be really on point. And so getting back to that point of leverage, um, when we started talking about all these different things in the forum and we had Coots sharing, hey, the background on all these different ingredients and why they're all the same or how the different, you know, there's only a few different companies that sell the ingredients and relabel and repackage, that's when kind of the, the mask was pulled off or the curtain was dropped or whatever you want to call it. Well, the crazy, like, thing, right. the crazy thing for me about that thread too is that it all, no pun intended, happens so organically. And you can go back and read it. It's like everything that is a cor- cornerstone of the build a soil method of a lot of the, you know, in a lot of the live soil, indoor soil today came up in that thread. But it, no one came in and said, okay, here's how you do it. You know, it was this ongoing discussion where someone mentioned, you know, Coop brings up Comfrey and all of a sudden everyone runs with it. And then sprouted seed teas all of a sudden starts being the topic of discussion. And the fl- there was just a flow to it, and everyone contributed. People would find, you know, Coot brought up coconut water, but so many other people did research based on what he said and brought back great things. And it was that's what made it a really rich and, I think, you know, productive part of, of growing. Like, it, it became so influential because of it. It just grew like a like a wiki almost. You know what I mean? It grew dynamically from all this different participation and collaboration. Yeah, and, and it was interesting because it it certainly wasn't from the standpoint of someone who was offering a product because half the stuff they talk about was really hard to find, and right. it just was talking about possibilities. What if? What if you lived where you had coconuts every day and you could use it? Would it do anything? What if we had you know tons of seeds to sprout? What do those enzymes do, and how does that actually affect things? And so through asking all these questions and through going further down the rabbit hole, we get to a few different topics. And these are great keywords to search that people will find along the way. So I just wanted to go through some of the keywords that flowed through this process. I'm, I'm going to miss a lot of them, but I just jotted a few down now. And you can Google these later, bring up questions. Um, so in the beginning, one of the first books that I got was Masanobu Fukuoka. I've talked about him a lot, The One Straw Revolution, along with Coot asking questions about ingredients. That was really when I started to do a lot of unlearning, getting back to more simple process. And so at that point, um, from asking questions about all the different ingredients, learning about you know, worm castings, vermicompost, making your own compost, 
Then uh, one of the first words I got excited about too during that process was dynamic accumulators. And then I started to realize there's plants that really do uh, accumulate a lot of nutrients and could be great organic fertilizers. So I learned about that. Then we started learning about secondary metabolites and all the beneficial products that plants create. And that really carried over because with cannabis, obviously, that's what we're really interested in. Um, And they're so simple. You know, terpene, terpenoid, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, so basic. So how do we improve those is a very difficult question, and that's why so many people go on so many different tangents with organics. So um, after all that, uh, you know, a lot of the topics was like, what about CalMag, and why is that sold and perpetuated so much? And we'd have, uh, you know, different answers from the environment and the increased temps um, and the ability to uh, use bloom boosters, which caused lockout that then required more CalMag. So you can almost see this like cycle that the nutrient companies would get you on in an effort to really push yields. So uh, it was, it took a while for a lot of people to stop using that kind of stuff in their soil and start to see the results. Uh, Then we learned about cation exchange, uh, compost tea. Uh, There was a movement for a while where a lot of growers were really interested in high bricks gardening, using bricks testing meters. Uh, not using compost and really balancing minerals and remineralization. Then the topic went from there into soil testing. Is it necessary? Um, and then even there was base cation saturation ratio uh, versus um, the SLAN method, um, something interesting to Google. Uh, then from there, there was tons of talk about bottled microbes that came out, and we're going to see a lot more companies um, as they get better at that, as they learn what's going to help more, as we document more microbes. Um, after that, as you get into minerals, one of the topics we talked about was paramagnetism, uh, then fermentation, effective microorganisms. That led to a lot of, that's, a lot of talk about what? That's where we got into FPEs and then spread of yeah, CTs. Yeah, Gil Carandang's website. So right. if somebody's listening now and they haven't checked that out, um, obviously if you go to Google Gil Carandang, I think it's the unconventionalfarmer.com. He's got a lot of recipes on there. Some of them I don't agree with. Some of them I do, but that's what's so great about this. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, and then from there, things got really open, and so uh, all of a sudden, people are on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Didn't have to be in the forums. You know, it's funny. And so like, some. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say the big hot thing when I was in Vegas that everybody was talking about, which I kind of don't believe in, is this whole dry farming idea. You know, what's up? Where you don't, you basically, you know, the plants find their. They they go in, they find the water themselves. and When you're farming outdoors, outdoors in the ground. Yeah, outdoor farming, but they're talking about like dry farming, and apparently there's three places on the planet you can dry farm, I guess, cannabis. And I was like, well, that sounds unsus- un- very unsustainable, but it was like the big buzzword. <laughs> big buzzword of the show is dry farming. Everybody's trying to figure out how to, because apparently it would, your costs would go so far down, you know. That magic word? Yeah, no, that's Yeah. Uh, so, actually, we have a, a Facebook group question for you, Jeremy. Our first ever Facebook group question by our just recent guest, uh, Wolf Siegel, uh, whose name I spelled totally wrong, and I got to correct in the graphic. Um, he's Steven Seagal. Wolf Seagal. Yeah. He asked if you've worked with evaporated sugarcane juice. I've not worked with evaporated sugarcane juice. Or um, sugarcane juice, I guess, at all. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about different carbohydrate sources, sugars, and reasons to use them. And I just stuck with what was basic, and, you know, there's still conversations to be had about that. I know that there's, God, what's the other sugar? Uh, Antonio Bacchus was bringing up some sort of sugar that you can find, like, in the um, uh, Hispanic stores where they ha- it's like in a pyramid shape. Sure, Somebody sure, sure. Look up. But in any case, uh, I know there's different sugars. I just don't know what I'd be using it for. I, I stopped really 
You're not brewing teas anymore, huh? Yeah, I don't really brew a lot of teas. Like if I brew a tea, a basic compost tea, I just like using molasses. It's got a lot of the trace minerals. It's got that raw sugar. It's more than just the sugar. But um, I'd be curious to ask uh, why he was asking that question, I guess. Maybe I can answer that question better. But I have no personal Well, you, sir, are added to the group, so you can go in there and ask yourself. All right. I'll go check it out. I'll definitely go ask. Um, I've used coconut water in teas. I've used molasses. I've used different sugars and then checked it out under the microscope. And I just never really saw a reason to go away from molasses for the cost and also because it had other uses in my house. So. That was uh, that was one of the things also about that thread that when you, you when you said other uses in the house, everybody on that thread kind of had this DIY spirit. You know, everyone wanted to make their own nutrients, make their own soil. But Coop baked his own bread. People, I'd made my own yogurt. People did their own brewing. It was just a bunch of people who wanted to do their own stuff, and you found so much overlap. That that was a big part of Coot's method too. That's how a lot of yeah. You know, I remember the day I posted on there where I had looked at the probiotics I was taking and been like, can I not throw this in my tea? Is this not, you know, exactly this, some of the species we're looking for? And it was like, it all started to come together and kind of like what you were saying. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's all coming together right now. And I'm sure that it's going to continue to evolve and have other offshoots. But really where it comes together is um, utilizing a couple of different methods. And right now, I think what a lot of people are doing is looking at utilizing a no-till bed. And that either is going to be a small container of 15, 10, you know, 20, 30 gallons, or it could be eight by four bed soil, or it could be whole rows. Um, and so one of the things that we learned right away is that a bigger soil volume really made a difference. And it, it's, not, it's not that the larger amount of the soil is 100% required, but what it does is it's like having an aquarium and having a sustainable amount of fish in it. All of a sudden, the ecosystem can balance itself better, and you don't have to clean the tank out every single day, and you're forced to be so much more in control. So when you have a larger volume of soil, now the ecosystem that's in there and the microlife, the microlife that's there can keep up with the fast pace of these annual growing plants of cannabis. And when you utilize too small of a container, that's when you put the – you just make it harder for yourself. Now you have to be really on point. If you – ever get out of that moisture zone, if you uh, underwater or overwater even one time, that microlife is not going to be able to really pick up and, ha and work with you as easily. And so that's where you're going to have those swings, where if you just do more soil, a lot of times you'll have a really healthy growth from start to finish, and that's where you can kind of start to get into that. But um, in any case, uh, from there, we got into the PFA, and that's what I was talking about. Um, I, I joined the PFA. I, I forget who added me, but it was like the first time where I could just be Jeremy Silva and talk about cannabis, and it wasn't right on my main Facebook page, so it was still private, but it was still public, and it was really weird for me. I remember the first time I shared a picture, I was like, wow, it's no longer like Mile High Guy, or it's no longer you know, some of my other names online. It was me, and so uh, after I went through that process and got comfortable sharing, it was neat because now I didn't have to log into some other website back at home on my computer, remember my password. It was just, bloop, got a notification on your phone. Oh, hey, I can answer that question. And so I started interacting a lot more on there, and I noticed a lot of people were getting involved in fermentations, and there's still talk about it every single day on there. And I kind of got away from doing most of the fermentations, as I, I really trust the soil to work well. And a lot of these fermentations and extras are kind of like the icing on the cake. And they can boost the health, they can uh, be used as a tool in certain situations, but ultimately I just keep going back to the basics, and that's relying on a larger volume of a really quality built soil with good ingredients. And from there, um, it really treats the plant well and everything seems to work. 
And that's where I, I wanted to bring um, my buddy on. He's going to go by NorCal Medicine Man. He's on uh, Instagram. You might know who he is. But uh, he was using a bed indoors. And a lot of the people that I talked to, um, when they first start organics, like I mentioned, I would say 90%. It's got to be really high up there. Most of the people their first time use way too small of a container. So I just figured we'd go to the complete opposite and talk to him about what size bed he used, what the results look like, so we can see what that looks like. I just pulled um, up his Instagram. Right it certainly doesn't look bad. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. And so, anyways, I'll pull him up right now. Can you call in? Um, but besides that, do you guys have any questions? I see there was a few that I was like talking, and it's kind of hard to read and remember the question while I'm talking. I see a but couple of questions. All Spring Hill Jack keeps at, is asking about biochar because he's uh, he was asking if it, how do you stop it from sequestering too much nitrogen. You got to pee on it you first. Got to pee. Yeah, on it first. yeah, you you, you could, you could. <laughs> that was the original uh, answer that we got in the thread. Really? Yeah, ten to one, right? Uh, you want to dilute the urine a little bit, and I don't know if I'd use it for a plant I'm going to consume. My <laughs> diet's not perfect, but uh, in any case, biochar. Absolutely, I like charging it. I've I've never really worried about it robbing too much nitrogen or sequestering too much, as long as I charge it with a little something. And what I mean by that is, um, even in the trials that. Uh, for instance, Rock Dust Local, Tom Vanacore over there, uh, really knowledgeable guy. He uses basalt rock dust. We carry some of his products, and they blended a basalt microfine dust with biochar and spread it on a field, and it did phenomenally better than the one without. So I think it's more about filling the cation exchange sites of the biochar. Right. Nitrogen obviously is important because it's got such a high carbon content. It's like 80-something percent carbon. And how much is One of the much? things we learn... Well, I think one of the things we learn about compost or soil is that there's got to be some balance of that carbon to nitrogen. And so if you've got 80-something percent carbon, it, it just, one of the ideas came, hey, it's probably going to rob nitrogen. And I don't think that if you keep the percentages low enough, it's really not an issue. Like recently I've learned that, for instance, hay or straw, there was a big debate whether hay would rob nitrogen as a decomposed, as a mulch, or whether if you mulched with too much fresh stuff, if it would rob nitrogen. Only time I've ever seen nit nitrogen being robbed is when stuff's mixed into the soil. And so with the biochar, it would be a concern, but that's why I keep our inputs at less than 5%, and I've never seen a problem, even if it was not charged. Um, so we did, we did just, add, we just added a caller. Hopefully it's, a, it's a, the caller we're looking for. Yeah, and you it can is. definitely add too much biochar. <laughs> you can definitely add too much biochar, you said, Jeremy. Hey, is this NorCal? <laughs> it is, in fact. Hello. All right. Hey, Were you listening along at all? Say that again? Were you listening uh, along at all to the uh, IC Mag and some of the conversation we were having? I have been, and it is pretty much identical to my past as well. I just wasn't as open on the forums as you were. Well, why don't you share a little bit of where you came from? I know that we don't have a ton of time left, um, but I think that it was really interesting to hear a similar story. Um, but at the end of the day, I know people are going to have some questions um, because you did document things well. You do have answers to some of these questions, and um, your most recent grow looks really, really good. And I'm looking at a picture of I a cola that's it, you know at least as large as a large. Is that a large Starbucks cup? An extra large Starbucks cup? Big ass Starbucks. It's a cup. twenty ounce cup. Yeah, which is cool because it's one of those things where like. It just is more proof. And every time we see people that do a great job, I already know it. I don't need any more proof. I know it works, but it really helps people 
borrow from our confidence when they're, everyone at their grocery shop is telling them something different or their buddies are doing it the opposite way. And sometimes it helps to have a little bit of a leader out there saying, hey, look, it, it does work. So um, anyways, you can share a little of your story, and then let's, let's definitely quickly get into your grow there. Yeah, I guess um, I have a very similar story to you. Um, rather than moving to Colorado, for me it was moving to California. Um, but I was on that same recycled organic soil thread, learning right along with everyone else, and that happened to coincide with the first time I was growing outside. Um, and just learning, experimenting, we had a house that we did really good at, that unfortunately we lost in a fire, and as soon as that happened, I pretty much just stopped with the forums completely, and then somehow ended up in the same PFA group that you were talking about, and I'm thinking that that's probably where we became friends and started talking to each other. Yeah, and I think at some point we realized that we came from the same background, probably because we had a comfrey plant and I think a chapin sprayer or something like that, but it was like pretty easy to figure that out. So. Yeah, you put those two and two together, and you're like, you know Coot, don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing that I have done experimenting with that you guys didn't cover thus far was after the fire, I met Alan Atkinson, the guy that started Grokashi and started the PFA group, and he was showing me the stuff that he was doing with the uh, hydroponics that were anaerobic and at like three and a half pH, and I was really blown away by it. And I experimented with that one run and was very, very happy with it. Kind of blew me away because it was sub-irrigation, Using well, and it's the total opposite of the stuff we were talking about, being aerobic peas and all sure, that, it's, it's which the is yang so to cool the... that it still worked. It's like, holy shit, that works too? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the yang to the yin on top of it. And then, yep. obviously, when you pull it all together, that, that works pretty great. That's cool. And I didn't know you did that, to be honest with you, NorCal. Yeah, I did. I ran uh, eight five-gallon buckets this last spring, and they did absolutely phenomenal. The quality was some of the best that I've grown and it was just ridiculously simple. All I did was dump EM1 water and a couple of ferments in the base whenever it was run low and they did fantastic. Very cool. I mean, did that, but your newest experiment in the beds, did, how did that compare to the, the, cause I've wanted to do what that, that sort of like dirty deep water culture forever. I'm always like, I don't know if I want to really chance that. That sounds. It seems like, like you're on the edge at all times. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe. I mean, you're supposedly it's safe, but oh god, I don't know. Well, I had really, I've I've used big soil and had big beds now since for indoors since uh, about three years ago, and that was coming from the same threads on IC Mag and experimenting along with everybody else. And yeah, and there, I, there's a couple of guys that had big beds. Did you follow along with the Grow Big Plants Outdoor, the Tom Hill stuff on IC Mag? Yeah, very closely. That was like okay. my uh, go-to guide for learning my outdoor stuff while I was doing everything outside, too. That's cool. That's still out there. If you guys want to Google that, the, uh, Grow Big Plants Outdoor, Google that. There's some really cool information there. So, Yes, there is. There's some brilliant guys on there. Um. And so I've, I'm really confident with the big soil indoors, and yet I still absolutely want to set up a run where I'm doing entirely the sub-irrigated aerobic hydroponic. 
because I think that with a bigger planter, I was only using five gallon buckets. I think if I was using something like 20, 30, 100 gallons, just bigger, so I have more volume, that I wouldn't have run into the same limitations that I had. So that was getting where I was running out of nutrients and things weren't as productive as they could have been. The quality was amazing, but it wasn't as productive as it could have been. But I think bigger volume would take care of that. Well, it's funny because right now the two the two methodologies that I offer, so to speak, is we just created a new sub-irrigated planter soil, which is basically like a build-a-soil pro mix with some biochar. And the idea is to put your nutrients and compost on top. And so we've got those planters, but I'm still stuck doing big soil, and I'm tinkering with these. So it's cool to hear someone else on the same page torn right down the middle between these two methodologies that are related but totally opposite, you know. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious to ask, did you have the results immediately when you went big soil? Is, is it that easy or is it something that you found that you had to learn on your techniques to some extent? Um, well, for me, I started probably, I grew synthetically for a few years. But for me, when I, from when I became serious enough where I was like, okay, this is going to be my income, I'm going to live as a cannabis grower was the same time as I was starting to grow organically. So I was honing my skills as a grower as well as honing my skills as an organic grower at the same time. I think if someone possesses the skill set to be able to grow plants well and is able to manage pests, particularly if they can manage pests organically, then switching from whatever style of growing that they are accustomed to to using big organic soil is going to be the easiest thing they've ever done. I think that's generally, you know, it's, that's why you've been you've been tending more and more towards big soil, right? Oh, big time, yeah. I, and that's it's well, it's all about the, the the you know it's nicer to do your work ahead of, ahead of the game instead of trying to like yeah. constantly every day. Time fucking it up a little bit every day. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you're, well, you're and then the it. questions come too. Like right away when you do big soil, do I plant a whole bunch of plants and veg for a couple of weeks? Do I do one plant per side of the bed and veg with a big scrog screen? So why don't you get into a little bit of the details? Since I know um, people are probably interested in that, Nor NorCal. Well, I'll just talk specifically about this most recent grow that I've done because I have a bunch of experience. Okay. But this is a productive grow and it went well. I have, uh, the room is a 10 by 10 room and I partitioned off so that I'm only growing in a six by 10 space and I have orca film on the walls and I have orca film panels that I suspend from the ceiling to close off the canopy area so that I can make it so there's no walk space and everything is just wall to wall canopy. And I have four hundred gallon beds that I built that are inside of the partitioned area and they're on wheels so There's I can roll them out and four, move around and get to them. Four individual 100 gallon beds, right? Not 400 gallon beds? Yeah, four individual 100 gallon beds. Right. Okay. Yep. And uh, I have 10 plants in each bed and I veg them for probably, I don't remember, maybe eight, nine days something like that, a little longer than a week. Round pots, or was it like a 12, was it like a 4x4 four four geoplanter, or your own homemade version, or what'd you do there? Uh, they are, the planter beds are my own homemade boxes. They are 
similar to GeoBeds. It's a wooden frame that inside of the frame I have fabric, like fabric planter material. So it's kind of similar to a GeoPot, but not quite. The dimensions of them are roughly 30 inches by 55 inches or so. Cool. How deep? 16 inches. Okay. We, we had a question come up on Facebook. Um, I'm loving that there's face. It notifies me way better than the chat room. You know, I'm loving the Facebook questions. Uh, guys, the question is, does it matter depth versus width versus, you know, which, dim- which dimensionality you have on your volume of large soil and small containers? The theory is that you want wider. it deeper, I thought. Wider, yeah. Wider, wider is yeah. better. Okay. Wider is always better. Uh, deep, deeper with a living soil, I've seen more problems. With a living experience. soil. And most everything yeah. deeper. I mean, I remember thinking back in the day, like, oh, I can use these rose planters, which are really tall and thin, and they're going to be great. And they're the worst plants I ever grew because they're just all bean pulled out and, like, plants Yeah, like it's like the up, plant like, knows. Yeah, they just went straight up like like, like sure. rockets. Because the, I mean? the canopy and the roots match each other, obviously. Exactly. So yeah. then I was yeah. like, ooh, a little short. Oh, wider. Shorter, so that's why I love. I mean, beds are like Soma style. Soma used to grow in beds all the time. Yeah, and he. Yeah, I forgot to mention Soma. That was a key word. Was, Good guys, was, everybody was, should look that up. He was definitely a, always talking. You know, always growing in beds. And in a way, I liked it, but I was always a little bit reluctant because I kind of felt like, you know, oh, I like to, you know, if one plant's not doing so good, I just so yank it out and throw something else in there because I was a little more relentless. Yep. I was all hydro back in the day, and I was all – it's funny because you have a different attitude about everything. Like when I'm growing on hydro and I'm growing back in that – everything was about, like, yeah, the best and, the you know, you're out. You're done. You know what I mean? I was like – I then all of a cuts, sudden, making cuts. Yeah, and I was always really being real, like, you know, militant about it, you know? And then later when I was growing on soil, I started to get, like, more relaxed. About like, eh, you know, whatever. You're, you're behind a little bit, but I'm not gonna. Too much work went into you, you know what I mean? I couldn't, uh, I couldn't just leave, like, knock you out like I could with hydro. But just different ways of thought. So, let's go back to your the dimensions of your beds and the, and the layout of the beds, and you know how you're how you're scrogging them or how you're training them in general to get your yields. Because um, and what yeah. your yields were, man. I mean, the pictures are great, but what'd you actually pull? So I pulled one bed at day 66 just because I needed some money, and the rest of them I let go to day 79. Wow. And I got the bed at 66 days trimmed up, and that one I got two and a half pounds off of, and that's from a 750-watt light. Wow. That's amazing. That's pretty Yeah, solid. that's that's yeah. doing the damn job. Yeah. yeah. And then some. That's, that's I mean, that's, that's a much higher yield than what a lot of the growers in huge places here in Colorado are getting. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You just you, a bunch of people in the chat room are going downstairs and measuring their basements right now. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. So this guy six by ten, two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. And so uh, when you're using the so approximately how much how many gallons do you think are in each of those containers of soil? About a hundred gallons. Of soil. Oh, you said hundred. Yeah, okay, that's right. And then you uh, are you so you're you're um, plug and play and go straight back into it or what are you what are you doing for? The next yep. cycles, yeah, and then, and how quickly? Uh, if I had because turnarounds like the most that important. ready to go in there right now, I would be putting them in today, but it'll be a few days before I put them in. Right, but it pretty much doesn't matter. It's just about you about you are being ready. It's not about the like having to wait for right. anything. Well, since I have a few days in between, I'm gonna use it as an opportunity to get some light to the cover crop that has been completely blocked out by the canopy for the last month and a half or so. What were you you growing for cover crop? 
Uh, I think all I have in there right now is crimson clover and some kind of white little tiny clover from Australia that I don't remember the name of. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, it's a pretty awesome way to recycle everything. You know, that's like the key. I mean, the thing about the whole the reason I was asking is because on a, any commercial basis, but even just on a personal basis, it's like that downtime is the what kills you. You know what I mean? Like if you're... I mean, it, it is one of those things where sometimes you get into a rut and you know all of a sudden you got an empty room for a month and that's like your whole rhythm is is completely blown out you know so by keeping all this oh, yeah. stuff it's great right and for this yeah. it was this run for me was partially i needed to make money because we had the unfortunate situation of having all of our outdoor plants shopped by the costco summer and i just needed to make some money and the other was i wanted since i had nothing else going on to really put my time and energy into it with the focus of producing the best quality that I can and for the lowest cost that I can. And I know that I'm paying 16 cents a kilowatt hour here, and I calculated out that for the water and the power, not counting any labor or anything else, I am at about just under 60 bucks a pound for really good indoor which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah that's great. Wait, say that one yeah. more time? <laughs> well, the kid woke up. Because yeah, about to go thumb measure measuring his basement. Well, yeah, what was that number one more time? Uh, just under 60 bucks a pound in cost to produce it. Yeah, that's great. And that's, I mean, and that's including electric and including all your nutrients. That's, that's mainly just the cost of electric and water. There yeah, isn't it's just water. I mean, it's yeah. just the just water only, water. bro. Yeah, and the soil you already have. The rate you're already paying. I just use, use the hydrologic tall boy. Oh, yeah, tall okay. boy. So just like a, eh, that's nice. Yeah, RO is too extreme, and you can't. So that's pretty, so yeah. damn. That's cheap. Do you find that your soil, that your bed is warming up, that it's it's as you use it becoming better, which is a phenomenon that had been discussed, you know, early on. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mixed this soil up probably almost a year ago. And this is the, well, almost third run, one run I had to pull down because we had an emergency inspection, so I had to turn it back into a bedroom. But <laughs> You've been there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we all have. But <laughs> yeah, and, and this is what farmers do to get the job done. And I, I yeah. see a lot of people that have four plants, kill three of them, and say, hey, man, I think it's got to be because of this. I'm like, dude. People have private inspections, fire, all sorts of stuff. And they always have, the it's always the inspection. Now, do you just during the inspections? Yeah. Do you just move them somewhere else and then bring them back in, or do you have to? Do you have to chop them? Yeah. Well, what we did, he chops them all down, down, throws a blanket over the, bed. the beds, and pretends it's a bed, yeah. like a sleeping bed. <laughs> <laughs> just throw a mattress in there and be yeah, like, yeah, like, I got four mattresses, yeah. six mattresses. No, we we chopped down the plants in the beds, and we moved all of the moms and vegging plants. Um, actually, no, we didn't remove them. We stuck them in the back of the pickup with the camper topper on it and just yeah. had all the windows blacked out. Yeah, I was going to say, usually and it's like get a rent-a-car. Yeah, like get the park truck, down the road. The U-Haul. And, yeah, and we just like, since we have a ton of soil and we have a big garden anyway, we just moved all the stuff into the backyard with the regular garden stuff. Right, right, right. It looked normal. And how long does it take you to, to disassemble that and then to put it all back together? Does that eat into your cost right there? I mean, that's got to be a significant amount of time to break that all down and put it all back together. We don't get paid by Oh, time. yeah, it does. And this was probably, it, it was it was shitty, too, because we were probably like 35 days in the flower. Oh, and oh, it was like, well, there's enough resin on here that I potentially could make hatch out of it. Yeah, but 
I don't know if that's really worth it or. Thirty-five. It was just shitty. It's about five. Yeah, about six weeks is really when you're like going a week short of really when it's kind of like okay, then six weeks you could definitely pull it off and get something from it. But five, you're kind of like, and and I mean, it sucks. That's the only probably downfall to bed is that you're locked. You're kind of locked in, you know, because. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to say, too. It's more of a decision where if you're going to be moving in two months, you're probably not going to do it, and a lot of growers are in that situation, never knowing what they're going to be doing next month. So Yeah, yeah. so it's a little more of a commitment, for sure. It's like having a compost right. versus like, farm. The first time I ran big soil indoors was uh, right before we had the house fire, and that was with a 5 by 5 tent with four, either 35 or 45-gallon smart pots in it, and that's big enough that it's kind of a pain in the ass to move. But if you got a buddy that's close by or a couple of buddies that are close by, you could feasibly move your big soil out of your tent yeah. to wherever you need to go. I guess it's a little harder to move hundred pound. Yeah. Right. The hundred gallon ones are like impossible. I've, I've got a buddy that uh, special orders, the hundred gallon geopots with handles. They stopped making them with handles cause it's so heavy to move, but they still have a backstock of them. And occasionally I've got a buddy that orders them and, Two guys can rotate those around in a greenhouse when it's on that like smooth black surface, but above a 35, 40 gallon, I mean, yeah, it's tough to move those around at all. Yeah, you put I, it on casters though, and Adam has the new. Yeah, I got the new new, right? No, you want to tell the world, or you're not ready yet? To I share. mean, I don't remember the name of the company, but they can go on their own research. I just basically, classically, you know, the name is so fitting too. But you know, I was like, man, I just want lazy Susans on all my plants because I just want to spin them around pretty much. Yeah, which is not like, not what a lazy. I mean, it is what a lazy for food. No, a lazy <laughs> Susan is the thing that has like spinning shelves. You no, a lazy Susan is a thing on the table. It's just a bearing. It's not the actual shelving unit no, itself. It's not oh, the kids wrong. It's okay. So anyway, I, I found a company that sold these uh, lazy Susans for a dollar seventy eight each, and they hold three hundred pounds. So I was like, really, three hundred wow. pounds, dollar seventy eight? That sounds like a winner right there. Ordered them, and basically all it is is you just it's it's two rings of plastic with five ball bearings in them, <laughs> and it you just put one screw through the middle, and you put two pieces of plywood, and then you can build whatever shape or size you want, and it spins around. I put a thirty two gallon pot on there. And I'm like, well, that's pretty dope. <laughs> now, I, now I feel like I'm doing something. I go in my room, I move them around. <laughs> like, hey, I'm doing <laughs> Dude, that's what organic is. You have to create and invent work for yourself to do because there's not a lot. Yeah, and it was pretty awesome because I was trying to figure out how to do it, and then I built a scrog for each of them, so Scrogs. they're all scrogged out. And kind of, it's pretty interesting. Oh, NorCal, let's segue back to that and talk about uh, you know how you, how you laid out the beds. What strains were you running in them? You know, what's the it was all sour D. All sour D, okay. That was that was one of the questions we got in the group. So all sour D, um, you just did you do anything other than just scrog them as normal? Um, there were four layers of trellis, and I just I let them grow through the first layer without really training much, and the second layer I started pretty aggressively training them horizontally, and then the third and fourth layers were just to oh, support the colas once they started growing. Nice. How far in between the the first one and the second one? The first one's kind of more from the base of the plant just to kind of hold it up. Hold it up, yeah. Yeah, probably, I don't know, six, eight inches. I have, in between the surface of the soil and the top of where my canopy should be, this last one I ended up going probably... Some of the colas were five, six inches above where they should be. And if you look in the pictures on Instagram, you can see that they got a little fox tail at the top. Um, 
they I have probably only like three and a half feet or so of growing area just because the soil is 16 inches and I only have eight foot ceilings. Right. Um, and ideally I should have kept them a little bit shorter and trained them to grow horizontally a little bit more, but I'm still pretty happy with it. What's the lighting you're using on that? They are the Gavita 750 watt oh, yeah, light. 750 is right, you said. You're taking a lot of cooling yeah. for those, or you're you're just... Yeah, cause it's pretty tight for them. Yeah, that's yeah, a little... I'm curious for those eight-foot ceilings and all that, yeah. Say what? For your a cooling? A lot of cooling, or... Uh, I actually have been using just passive airflow, right. and I keep it at, like, 75 degrees. Wow. Yeah. That's good for... I mean, yeah, because the Gavitas can put out a little bit of heat, even the 750s. And, yeah, I'm asking yeah. more questions now because I was ruling out Gavitas for some of my smaller growers. I just haven't really looked into them because of that. So, yeah, ditto. And with passive air, it's pretty interesting because normally it's like you know, even one, even when I cranked up one in a room where I had other lights that were all you know uh, air cooled, and then I put one in the room, and I was like, well, that brings it up like eight degrees or something. It's like wait, <laughs> not not acceptable. You know what I mean? It wasn't worth it. But uh, no, it's good. What's your what's your ambient temperature where you're at though normally is it pretty It's hot as fuck. Really? I'm in like the hottest part of the amazing. northern valley in California. Oh, that's it amazing. gets like 120 in the summertime sometimes. <coughs> and you don't run any AC during that 120 degree weather either? No, I have since it's in a bedroom, I just use the central air conditioning um, unit of the house and gotcha. it sucks it through a filter in the door and then goes into the room and then I have a 14 inch vortex fan that there outside right uh, we had another question did you veg really long uh, before you no, put these in eight days right? eight days yeah yeah no not really at all yeah they were yeah little tiny that's farms. great because you had ten of them in a bed right so you just popped them in and flowered them yep cool that's good to know because a lot of times I get questions where you know I've not done a million different styles. It's hard for me to answer questions, and I feel awkward unless it's from my personal experience. And so whenever someone's asking about big beds, the question is, do I put them in five gallons and dig up holes, or do I just put clones in, or, you know, what's the best goal? And so to see that you had not only some stretch, but more than enough stretch to have four layers of trellising with only a week worth of veg definitely means that soil is keeping up. It's pretty cool. A lot of that's the genetics, too. Sour D is just stretchy for the first two and a half weeks she's going to stretch a lot yeah well and that's good though if you're going to scrog it out you want something that you can you know fill that canopy up with so exactly something else that just popped into my mind that hasn't been mentioned thus far on the show i don't think is vapor pressure deficit oh that's our favorite you did that you just that's our secret when we're on a panel and we don't know what to talk about you talk about vpd and you steal the show every time Yeah, yeah. That's our. When that's people our, ask about humidity, I'm like, well, kinda. <laughs> Pull it out there, NorCal. Do it. Steal yeah, the show, buddy. Steal the show. Um, well, essentially, uh, the science behind vapor pressure deficit is water is going to go to where it's not. So if you have water content in your plants that is more so than the water content in the air around the plant, they're going to have water go into the air and vice versa. And it has dramatic impacts on the way a plant grows. And there's a lot of science to it that's above my head that 
I've read. That's exactly he how has a whole stick down. You, you exactly. Gotta, you, you got it. You, you got to make like, it sound too hard to understand. It's <laughs> no, a major <laughs> part because we're like we both. Because then all of a sudden we had a question from the audience and we both looked at each other and went, "What is he talking about?" Yeah. And he was like, "Oh no, he's talking about what we were talking about. We got completely. <laughs> we got bamboozled by our own te- our own tech. You know what I mean?" <laughs> With, he forgot to say trying that. to keep the the vapor pressure deficit parameters, which if you look up, there's lots of charts online where you can find like I'm at a specific temperature. What should I have my humidity at? And trying to keep it in those parameters using passive airflow in a room required me to make a giant fogger that runs pretty much constantly. Like humidity isn't really an issue in the north central valley in california sure it's just always so dry in summertime in the winter it will be but i haven't needed a dehumidifier yet it's always been that i've needed to bump the humidity up since i'm pulling so much air through the room constantly no we and deal with that, that in colorado pretty of much course. Here, same yeah, thing. we, we have super eight percent humidity at times you know my, yeah but it my, makes such a big difference that humidity yeah uh-huh and because i get like sometimes if i come in it'll say Temperature and then humidity will be two lines. You know, I'll be like, really? Two yeah, lines? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> we're not doing too good today. Nope. <laughs> Something's wrong. And there'll be like two genetics that just hate it with but, low humidity. But that's the weird like part about it, too, out. is like, yeah, that's the really weird part about it is like, I went through a phase when I first got here that I had to go through a whole learning curve of the humidity being like so extreme, especially when the winter kicked in and all of a sudden I was like, oh man. Like, that's when I saw the two lines in my room, and I went out and bought all these humidifiers. And, you know, and those things are, like, they are only good to a point. And at a certain, they're, unless you go out and buy a super pro one, but I was in, a, like, a house, so I was like, all right. So what's the solution, Norkel? Did you figure out a solution? Fogger, the fogger. Yeah, yeah, how do you make what, this homemade fogger? Is it a sonic fogger? Or yeah, I built one, because the one that I couldn't, I couldn't find any that were big enough. Because mm-hmm. it's pulling so much air through that room, because sure. I have a 14-inch van on it. So I, what I did is I went... And bought a pond fogger. Like if you are at like a fancy Fuck hotel yeah. and they yep. have mountains out front. Nebu- the nebulizer, have, the nebulizer they're you, called? Yeah, it's just like this little thing that floats around in the pond and creates yep. fog. So it looks like the whole pond is covered in fog. Sure. And I took one of those and stuck it inside of a Rubbermaid bin and have a four-inch fan blowing into the bin. And then the ducting out of it is the fog coming out of it, and then put that onto a humidistat so it kicks on and off to keep the humidity where I want it to be. Nice. And they got some YouTube tutorials on those. Did That's you? Pretty uh, cool. My, mushroom growers use them too. Yeah, the, I, I used to use them just for displays at the shop and stuff. And the thing about those is they would get well. The problem in Holland is the water's so hard there that they would caulk out the top really fast. So you have to make sure your water's pretty. Pretty clear. What kind of water would you run through it? Just regular, just just tap tall boy, tap right? water, tall boy. It's the same tall boy tap water. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, we just started carrying some ten stage water filters at Build a Soil, but they're the same ones you can find at most health food stores and like on Amazon, those, anything uh, like that. Or you can get an good. annoying guy to come over and go, "Hey, I sell uh, water yeah. cleaners." You know, you're like, "Oh man, <laughs> no, don't even start." Uh, but that's um, cool. So, uh, what you doing? Some breeding? I'm looking through your page here. See, it looks like some males. Uh, yeah, there's always a need to have some males around and try nice. new things and make nice. new things. Any particular right now, crosses I'm on you a Star Dog back cross project is my primary focus, but I have a bunch of other stuff that I'm just. It's fun to pop seeds and see what you find. Sure. Nice. That's yep, one of our favorite all, things to do. Uh, we all love it for sure. I, in fact, on my lunch break, I was supposed to eat lunch and I was at home popping seeds and putting new beans in cups and kind of restarting over after the whole burglary situation. So. Yeah. 
Oh, bud. Do you want to update people on that? Because we kind of told them about it. But do you, since we this is officially our Build the Soil update, we're actually coming to the wrap-up of the show. Um, do you want to update people on what happened with that no-till video project? Yeah, I'll probably update into a video as soon as I start the new one and kind of give a breakdown of what happened. But obviously, there's no more no-till videos on there. And things were going really well. I really wanted to finish those videos for everybody. But... I, uh, my house got broken into, and I lost some stuff and some cash and a few other things. And um, I haven't really gotten a solution yet, but in my mind, I didn't want to be just dragged into negativity. And so I've been really focused on being positive and working out, eating right, coming to work, and just getting the job done. And so I've been more productive than ever since that happened. So, um, But that's why the videos aren't up, and that's why I'm popping a whole bunch of seeds right now because it's kind of like a clean slate starting over. So. Sure, sure. Kid looks like he's getting but, uh, ridden. Definitely got security cameras now. So yeah, that's that's a step in the right direction, buddy. Kid's getting a lap dance on yep. his face. It looks like. Yeah, what you know. what's going on? <laughs> uh, v- VPD, though, you guys were talking about it, and it really is huge. I see a lot of guys asking if they need CalMag or if they uh, why the soil's not working or whatever. And a lot of times it'll be overwatered soil with no humidity, and the plant just locks up, can't drink, can't transpire, can't do what it needs to do. So, um, good good job bringing that up, NorCal. I think it's really important. For sure, and especially in places like yeah, especially in places like where you're at and where we're at here, East Coast doesn't seem to have that problem. No, but I like that that pond fogger. That's a good solution for it. Mm-hmm. And those things are, as you said, good to just have around because they're cool. Because they're cool. Yeah. Halloween yeah. comes around, you can have an instant. If you use the pond foggers, make sure that you, when you buy them, just buy extra little ultrasonic discs because after a couple months, you're gonna have to replace them. Like you just like an air stone or something. Some hard water and whatever happens. Sure. Yeah, and if, if you've got like a little grow tent or, for instance, where I really want to use them is when I'm cloning or doing stuff like that, sure. a little veg tent. Um, they've got ones that instead of getting like the $20 one at Walmart, if you actually get a ultrasonic, kind of like he built, but a smaller one, they make them for 50 to 100 bucks. They really put out a lot of cold uh, humidity very quickly in a small tent. So. Nice. Nice. Nebulizers. That's what yep. <laughs> yeah. But, All right, um, well, Jerry, yeah, you got any other updates for us? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go over a few updates, but I just wanted to kind of give the listeners today an opportunity to go back into the path that you know a lot of us have been on, getting to the point where no-till is at. And a lot of those are just keywords and different areas that you can start to do research because um, it, it's more of a process of unlearning and getting simple, and that's where... You know, NorCal finally got to. He had a full bed of soil using just filtered water and uh, went through a lot of more complicated methodology to get there. And um, in any case, go back, listen to the show, Google some of those keywords. If you've got questions, you know, message us at Build a Soil or get, I, I guess, over on the Adam Dunn Show uh, Facebook group. There I'll you try go. to participate over there, too. Yeah. Um, and then as far as new things over at Build a Soil, we finally got uh, the keys to the new building this week, and electricity is getting turned on. So right. uh, we're going to stay in our current location. But one of the problems that we had, and I knew it would be a problem, but we couldn't afford to do anything about it before, was that we're making soil and packing pallets and packing bags of stuff all in the same area where we're trying to do a retail center. And so it's just a mess. So we're now going to have a manufacturing warehouse where we just make tons of soil, getting ready for next spring. Uh, bagging up the stuff, and then we have this facility here. And what that means is new products. So we started carrying water filters, Chapin sprayers, some ceramic metal halide lights. Um, we got a new alpaca product, alpaca manure with neem cake in it, and that's from a local farmer who 
developed the product on his own. We're just testing that out. He developed it by uh, watching his alpacas poop. He and developed he said, alpacas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, hey. developed it. Well, I guess what I, I could read it. I connected to the guy because he was looking for Neem Cake from Usha at Neem Resource, and I was like, dude, if you know about her and you're finding this product, we yeah. must be somehow similar, like asking somewhat the same questions. So sure. that alpaca product is pretty cool. Um, and then besides that, uh, the sub-irrigated planters that NorCal was talking about, one of the things I noticed right away is we could just dump our build-a-soil, living organic soil, the regular recipe that's been on all these forums we've talked about, um, and we put it in a sub-irrigated planter, and it definitely works, but... I know that the sub-irrigated planter guys and Alan, he uses more of a peat and perlite, like more of a base promix style soil, and then adds his nutrients and compost on top. And I was really intrigued by that. I ran some side-by-side outdoor this season, and they did very similarly. And so uh, we created what we call the SIP soil for sub-irrigated planters, and it's basically a build-a-soil promix. It's got biochar. It's got all the gypsum and basalt and minerals. Um, and it's very similar in pricing, too. Only bummer is going to be shipping. We're still trying to figure out a way to get it a little cheaper, but uh, check that out. I want to see if people could actually start using that and give me some feedback because it's something I want to develop and make a little better for cloning and all that stuff, too. Cool. New products. New products. And is that, uh, obviously, that stuff is available at buildasoil.com, but yep. the, uh, the alpaca neem stuff, not yet. Nope, that's on the website as well, the alpaca neem. We just added on there. We just added the water filters, the chapin sprayers. And one of the new things that we're going to start doing is we have people that will sign up for the email list and get a free report. We've never sent anybody any emails. I don't like doing a lot of spam or marketing or sure. any Oh, there's the alpaca, alpaca gold, gold 10 bones. Alpaca gold. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going to start emailing some discounts and stuff on certain products we've got extra of or maybe new products we get in. So if you guys want to sign up for the form there, I'll be doing an Adam Dunn Show discount code this week. Um, based on this show, I'll come up with something. And anybody that's on the email list, it's going to get an email with a discount code for uh, the Adam Dunn Show and uh, one of the products that we offer. So, Awesome. So sign up, sign up, sign up. Sign up, yeah, sign up. Is that you want to tell people how to do it? You actually post it in the group and tell them whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah, I'll post it in the group. Just go to Build a Soil, and uh, you know, on the bottom there's a newsletter. You can just sign up for that. Or if you purchase anything, there's a little checkbox that says, hey, I, I'd allow you to market to me, and that will allow me to send you an email letting you know the new stuff we've got going on. Sounds really good, bud. Thank you, as always, for coming on. Uh, thanks, NorCal, for coming on and telling us uh, how to do it for better for cheaper. Better. How to do it better. Better for cheaper. <laughs> better for cheaper. That's that's the, the basic principle of, of the method. Yeah, loyal to the soil. Yep. Thanks, guys. Right on, guys. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace. Bye-bye. See, we got some organics in there, and the kid didn't even fall asleep. Well, he did for a little while, but... He was yeah, bouncing. You wrote a book Get for a while. You wrote a book, and then after you wrote the book, you kind of woke up, and then you were like almost listening for a little bit there. What are you doing? What are you trying to do? Burning Smudge, rosin chips is incense. the place with rosin chips. Is that what's going on? Yeah, it's weed. It's weed. It's Cali style. Wow. Kid's got no class. No class. That tastes terrible if you do it like that. It sure. Well, if it's a rosin chip, it's no, probably, it's not. It's weed. It's just weed. It tastes terrible if you it do that. It's really bad. Like you would think that it would taste the same as if you lit it through a bowl, but it doesn't. It tastes like shit. Wow, science, science. Because you're, burning, cause Cause you're burning the stem and all science. those other things. Yeah, you don't care. You don't care. Look, at look, you, you look, you look classy though. <laughs> do it on camera. Do it on camera. Do it on camera. You can't see the smoke, so it just looks like. Well, they, if you're over there, you can't. Like you're making duck lips at a bud. Yeah, <laughs> What's up, ducky? Burn. Face the camera. I think they can see the smoke if you do that. Yeah, face it's it. Lighting. Face it. Come on. Ooh, the kid. Classy. <laughs> Chris Kate asked us for you. Memes, memes. We need memes. 
Yeah. Can't ask that's for you. I got yeah. that. that yeah. You're going to have to handle screen cap in it. <laughs> the kid. Duck face in the bud over there. So, uh, good show. Good, good information. Yeah. No, awesome show. Second round of shout outs? Second round of shout outs. Got to do it. And then I'll tell, them, I'll tell my little story and we'll, we'll move on. What are you doing? Sleepy? What are you, a fucking, your dog's not grumbling on the floor, so you got to grumble on the side so, of the So, table. the kid never listens to the show, so that's why he didn't know. That. It sounds like Morgan Freeman. Doesn't it no, kind of sound oh, a little yeah, bit like Morgan, Morgan Freeman? Freeman. No, I listened to a show, so I didn't know what. What didn't I know? He didn't know what I was showing him because I showed him the, my original thing. Yeah. Is it old? It's old. Yeah, it's old. Is it old? It's it's older than you. That looks like it's before it's Instagram. I don't it's care. Old, yeah. It is older you than wrote, you. You wrote that? And I wrote that. From before I was born. From Whoa, before you. you flashback. You. Flashbacks Crazy. before you were born. Yeah, Amazing. <laughs> 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 no, you could do that. The reincarnated flashback. What was that a picture of? It was a picture of Adam's going to post it to the group. Yeah, it's instructions. These are. Did uh, he ever tell the story that he told us this morning? Kind of bad no, he's going. He what? just after these shoutouts, he's going to do. Are you not paying any attention? But you know, this is the first did page. He's going to send the back page when she gets home. Did you just get home. that magnet put on your phone, or is it a lens? It's a magnet. It goes onto a ball that you have in your car. I got you. Gotcha. I'm going to get Home Depot. That's Home Depot for you. When you're bringing stuff back to Home Depot and you're like, I got this credit. I don't know what to do. I was like walking down the aisle and I was like, They always get me. You know, not many stores get me with the stuff they have near the registers. That they're Pretty on point. Yeah, you got the fish emulsion. Yeah. I know. And Grandpa. I got the kelp. Yes, yeah, I see. How old were you when you read that? When I read that? <laughs> How old were you when you How old were you when you wrote that? I don't know why I can't speak uh, Let's see. It would be. This is around 89. This was like right before I was born then. I was 90. born in 90. Well, this is 89, 90, so it was right around. Uh, let's call it 90, so I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't writing any fucking things out, were you? No. You weren't doing much. No. No, exactly. So, yeah. No. So anyway. But yeah, pretty on point. I basically, I'm surprised that I got bad guano in there. Mm-hmm. I oh, I didn't see that chicken shit. Yeah, yeah, I was, you know, hey, I was doing four star. Look, I got, eh, I don't really, this is what you really want to use. Me, this is last Damn, so you were only like 21 to. years old when you wrote that shit. If you have to. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Dig a hole. It's <laughs> one meter across. And All right, let's do shout outs. <laughs> and then we can do this amazing story of Adam's shady past. Sh- shady past. As a story. smuggler. As a, well, fence, really. We're like a fence. fence oh, technically, you right? ever find yeah. me any Oreo O's? Because they're off the market now. I I just Dread, actually, it's is your man for, oh, for Dread anything yeah. that's like major snack food related. Dread. No, it's visit. They don't make them. They only make no, them no, no. He's got a stash. Oh, Dread will get them Japan. shits from Japan. He'll get it all. Oreo O's. Well, you want to bring Oreo, that up? Oreo O's? Oreo O's. Oreo O's. It was a cereal that tasted just like Oreos. Oh, my God. Okay, don't blow amazing. my story. Um, shout Big out. shout out to Way to Grow, number one sponsor since day number one. Uh, seven locations all over Colorado. Super helpful staff. Got the concentration corner at my favorite shop over there in Platte River. They got free candy. At free candy at all of them. At all of them. All yes, of them. It's standard candy's no, back. No, the kid is the kid is doing well. Candy. What they've been doing well. Well, you know, I'm really, getting better. Yeah, a lot candy. of people don't like it, but I really like the flavored Tootsie Rolls. You know, like I'm a big fan of the flavored Tootsie you Rolls. Like those two, right? Want to know those. what though? They don't pay us for this ad. No. No Tootsie so Rolls. So way to go. Yeah, way to go. But you can get the flavored Tootsie Rolls at Way to Go if you go there and buy something. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Thanks for the segue. No, I've I've been <laughs> up, I've you know I used to like the border store, but I like the Platte River a lot better. Now I've been going. There Wait, now you're there. You of course you need to. It's uh, way it's bigger and better. It's well, huge. not better. It's, the other one's kind of this one's funky. This is the funky little store. Yeah, but and, and I a, just noticed they shouldn't even call it Concentrate Corner. It should be like Concentrate Alley. It's a huge section of the store. Hmm. So they it's have you know, vac yeah. ovens and extractors and all that good stuff over there. So all that good stuff. All that good stuff. 
butane. Which no, I guess you probably can't have that anymore, right? <laughs> you can have it, of course. But they're doing the black November sale. That's true. We forgot about the hydrazine and uh, ten ninety nine worm castings. Nice. Yeah. And there's some other stuff. They're calling it a different sale if you go in there. It's really weird because I was in there like two days ago. Different sale. They have the, no, oh, they have, a, have the shadow it's sale? Just called, is that what it's called? Black shadow? It's called something <laughs> different, but it has these blanks. two things on there. It has the hydrozyme and the worm castings, and then it lists some other sales too. So there's other things going on on the Black November sale. That's just two of them. Sounds mysterious. But yeah, go to where you go. Seven locations. Nine locations? Seven. Seven, Seven. locations. <laughs> Unless you've seen two new locations. I've just created them. Yes. Uh, and uh, right next, to, right like two blocks away from them is our other friends. Yes. Incredibles edibles. Incredible edibles. Way to give away the. They were cr- uh, like I said. They were. <laughs> yeah, whatever. They were crushing it though. They, those guys uh, out at the show had, like I said, they had the best booth out there. They were. Tell us about the booth. It is a sectional three-part booth that was very. No, it was really like one of those things. I came, I saw Max, and I was like, "Wow, this is really nice." And Max told me the story how the company had told them, like, "Yeah, you can do it. One person, like one little girl, could put it up by herself, type thing." And it took four guys, like hours and hours, to figure it out. But I think it's a, uh, yeah, it was definitely super tight. Great pictures from Kim Sidwell, one of the her. Nice. Tight, yeah, really good. Uh, but. The bars are the best ones you can get here in Colorado. Now they're going to be available in uh, Nevada, officially. They oh, so we can say... They uh, officially signed a contract now in there, so they're going to be available there. So that's they're starting to, They're starting their nationwide. Uh, can we now say the best in America? Because there's more than Colorado? I, at this point, it depends. I best, mean, in, best of the West, at least. Best of the West. Of right. the best of the West. Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> best of the West. Incredibles, Edibles, yeah. Best of the West. Yeah, there I we really, go. We've just changed their whole thing. I want to try day. these. They need uh, a Western bar now. These bite-sized Chipotle, gummies. Chipotle bar. That's what I want to try. Have you had the gummies huh? yet? No, the new gummies. I don't no. do gummies. I can't eat gummies because gelatin. They don't do uh, don't they don't do gummies. fish gel. Oh, you eat, eat fish gelatin, right? You eat, eat some gelatin. Fish gelatin. Well, you know, it's juicy. Right? It's kosher gelatin. Oh, okay. It's made from I fish. Do I do but they yeah, make yeah. the mini, they the mini bite size. They're still doing the incredible pills, and they also have the Incredibles locally grown and incredibly grown yellow and black label shatter. And of course, a big big shout out to Elite Cannabis, our friends at Mary's Nutritionals, uh, the whole Elite CBD family. Uh, everything they do is. It's, yeah, it, it, when it's I the stuff that I brag about to my mom. Yeah. She's like, oh, what kind of people do you work with? And right. I'm like, well, let me tell you about the people at Elite. Uh, you know, they're all very experienced, great people doing... I guess the big thing with CBD is when you don't know where it's from, it could be complete garbage from China right. with all sorts of lead in it, right? Sure. And then, yeah, knowing that they have great... They, their source material is awesome. Um, they treat it properly. You know, it's all handled like... good. Like cannabis would be handled the whole way, you know. So, you um, see, they even have that Mary's Rescue that I never knew that they carried before. If you're too high, yep. You if you're too it. high on an edible, you can take the Rescue, and then you won't it'll, be high anymore. It'll baseline it'll balance you. it out. What's in it? Um, they say that it's just uh, right here. It says the first supplemental formulated to ease side effects from marijuana overindulgence. Um, do not exceed three doses in 24 hours. It doesn't even say necessarily what's in here. You know what I would do? I would get into an edibles eating bet with someone and have that shit in my back pocket. Just add water to fill on and shake. Take one full bottle as needed. Lay down in a safe place until feeling subsides. We're going to get you. We're going to test it on you. And it says don't exceed three doses. So it's like, don't freak it's out. It's a bunch of B vitamins. Yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty funny. 
Um, but they also, right on that same website now, marysnutritionals.com, um, you can actually just click the Mary's Pet Shop link. You don't have to go to marryspetshop.com, although you still can. Um, so they have the, the Mary's Pet CBD gel pens, and of course, um, on the Mary's Purchase CBD products with the, the patches, the Charlotte's Web Sticks, the CBD compounds, the gel pens, the muscle freezes, and the... They have a lot of products. CBD. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of products. All and where do, you get, where do you get the stuff for if you get too high? Is that on that page? It's on the, the page, too. Yeah, you just go to Mary's Rescue. It's on little button. Mary's Rescue. Um, no. but all these prices, man, like I said, they're all the same you can see in the dispensary. They're not up. They're not up in you just because you live in another state. You may pay for shipping, but, I mean, that's because you live in another state. The prices are on point. Cheaper than flying here and getting it. That's right, sure. right. Yeah, so Mary'sNutritionals.com. And, of course, big, big shout-out to the whole crew at Dark Horse Genetics working down there. Somehow also in the some same neighborhood as all the others. I know. It's like the new neighborhood. Let's we control that neighborhood. It's the you running that yeah. Run that town. What's it called? What's that area? Is it Littleton? What? <laughs> no, it is. It is that one. Of those, it's either no, Littleton or Englewood. No. Littleton's no. way down. Is it no. Englewood? No, it's closer to Englewood, but it's not even Englewood. Starts a little further down too. I mean, it's like the straight out of straight out of Denver crew. That's know? right. Boom. Sure. It is straight uh, off the block. Santa Fe crew. Take take your jacket off when you say that. No. Yes. Yes. You gotta do it in your tank top. And uh, build a soil, of course. We, is that all Dark Horse is going to get? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, you guys aren't there, so it doesn't matter. Go to darkhorsegenetics.com. The, 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 the two sign coolest up. guys aren't down there right now today, right? Sign <laughs> up. Join. Uh, of course, download the Dark Horse Genetics app on your phone. Sounds like there's going to be some changes in the structure of uh, how things are going to work with the seed bank, but uh, you'll find it all out via the app. And Buck Russell doesn't want you guys to forget how awesome the hoodies are. Just, They're awesome. That's not even me talking. That's that's someone in the chat room who paid he paid for the damn thing. I found the other stash and he pockets. Loves it. You found them? Found, I'm not gonna tell them where they are, but yeah, I only thought there was the one, but I found I found another one. I feel like I'm still missing one. Right. How many is there? Three? You're always missing one. Is there three three? Whatever stash it is, pockets? you're missing one. Yep. I guarantee you. That's bullshit. I have both. You I tell me. I'm gonna tell you if there's another one. Of course, I'm gonna make you go look for. And one. of course, big big shout out to our buddy Jeremy at Build the Soil for bringing us. That organic segment, dropping the densest organic knowledge possible. Uh, I posted all the links that he was talking about to our new Facebook group. I know that almost 50 of you already signed up, so we'll see the rest of you there. I think that's going to be an easy way to just keep things curated. And on that note, let us segue to Mr. Adam Dunn's... No, build a slow. i got to say last shout-out to... I just said... Did you even hear I was prepping myself for my Find giant story. Oh, uh, the story. It was so easy to tell her before. Now you want me to tell her again? Okay, so. How did so it come up in the. See, that's what I mean. How did it come up in the conversation about earlier? earlier. Like, oh, what were we cereal? discussing? Because we were talking about cereal. cereal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I used to do a thing called Serial Killer Sundays in. No, we were talking about Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Stimpy. Right. That's yep. how it all yep. started. Yep. Okay. Ren and Stimpy. So he asked me if I liked Ren and Stimpy, and of course, you know, look at me. Of course, Say I did. fuck yeah. <laughs> and uh, so back in Amsterdam. I was always starved of, of things like that. Like Ren and Stimpy was like the thing, and there was no internet, so I couldn't, you know. I, you know, so when I went back home, I'd sit around at my grandma's house or whatever and start looking up things and then tape them all. It was, I felt like I was 15 again, but I'd tape all of the cartoons I could to bring back to show my friends. And so we started a thing called Serial Killer Sundays, and uh, the idea behind it was that when I came back, I brought back a bunch of cereal because I was also, you know, still in my teenage phase <laughs> even though I was 20 something years old but I was still in my oh, teen I mean, I no no you wear a shirt with collar yeah, I, know, I know wear, okay, yeah, so, so I was still all about you know blueberries and uh, fruit loops and any kind of any kind of fruity cereal I didn't like anything oh, don't give me that granola you know now I'm like granola. complete opposite now I'm a total granola guy you know but back in the day 
Honey Crunch. I, I, honeycombs is another whole story. I'll tell Cocoa you that story. Krispies. I'll tell you that story on another on they another make day. Rice crispy treat. Exactly. Cereal. So they had. I wanted everything that was nasty. Yeah. So what I did was um, I started telling all my well, customers. You, tell us about Serial Killer Sunday. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, so I told my customers that you know, hey, I'm doing the Serial Killer Sundays. I need some cereal. So every time somebody came through, and well, people, how did it work out? Serial well, Killer Sunday. What was that like when well, people it was, showed up? It was pretty interesting. I basically had free milk, so all the milk you can go for, go go for it. Milk's cheap in Holland. Yeah. Yeah. So all the milk, but the cereal, I had it on a bar, like set up like a coffee shop. Like So I had a well, scale, and then I had a, the bowl with the scale. You'd bring your bowl over, you put it on the scale, we'd clear you out, and you'd pick out whatever you wanted. You could mix them up. I didn't give a shit, but I had different prices for it. If you had marshmallows, it was more expensive. Of course, marshmallows were, are not lighter. dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, So I was always going to the density factor. So if they were real dense, heavy stuff... That's kind of cheaper, you know, because then you know whatever. But right. nobody want that. You'd be like, you really do you want that? No, I want the. Everybody wants the light marshmallowy stuff, right? And so anyway, I was charging like seven cent, between seven and like twelve cents a gram or something like that. You know what I mean? But it was working out to be like about four to six bucks a bowl, and I was getting like ten bowls a box. So I was making about seventy bucks per box. So I was had a little racket going on, right? So I was like, hey, this is pretty good. I never thought I'd be making money on cereal. So then. Um, as a story, then you needed more cereal. So then I just put the word out that I would trade a pack of seeds for a box of cereal. So then people started to get like taken a little too serious sometimes. So they'd come in with duffel bags with 13, 14 boxes of cereal. And I'd be like, really? Wow. Okay. This is getting kind of crazy. Started storing them all up. And, you know, I had like a huge cachet of cereal. Because, I mean, like, who wouldn't give you. I, if if I knew I could fill a suitcase well, like, with you know, cereal the, and, the and get is, twenty when, packs when, of seeds, when we get Keith on finally again, when he finally cuts him, you know, we'll get him one day. When we get Keith, he will be part of it. He'll be like, oh yeah, he remembers because mm. he was starting to bring me stuff. He would bring me uh, graphics bongs and boxes of cereal. So I had like <laughs> literally just collections. He of He did bongs. say boxes of cereal when he was on the phone, and I didn't even uh, when he was on the show. There you go. Know. So that was the thing back in the day. It was all about that, you know. And so people knew it. They were like, oh, Adam, just bring him cereal, right? So then it was almost like I made the <laughs> so I made like completely like bad choice uh, as far as you know long term. <laughs> edible things because in the end of the day because you can't of, store it that I long got, well you can if you don't open them up they store yeah. pretty damn long they're preserved yeah. to hell sure. but the thing is, is I got burned on cereal <laughs> at a certain point I was like dude I can't look at cereal anymore but the story that got even funnier and the, yeah the, so the, you which, told this story once before right? and I did I tell this story once before well this is no 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 no, no. I mean the story you just told me oh, yeah. about your cereal smuggling okay. ring yeah, yeah. Okay, you so told then, this to another person okay so then the, where the story gets kind of weird was well, and I also want to say that was a hustle, though. Like you, at seventy bucks a box, how oh, much was a pack of seeds for you? Oh, well, it cost you nothing. Ten bucks, yeah. Or something, so you, you were know? selling seeds at ten bucks. You're, oh, it's like selling seven packs instead of one. Genius, the cereal hustle. The serious. I was hard on my hustle with the cereal, but then uh, the story was that. And this is the funny thing: is that I, I I wanted to tell this guy one time when I was decided to go. Okay, here's that. I got to go back to the beginning. Let's say. Go to the Milky Way one time, right? I'm hanging out with Tony from Sagar Mother Seeds. And Tony from Sagar Mother is very much a psychonaut, right? So he is the guy that, you know, if, if there was something new, he would be the guy that would know. You know what I mean? So I was bugging him about 2CB. I was like, dude, I heard about this 2CB stuff. And he's like, and then bugged him, bugged him, bugged him. And then one day, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm in the club. And Tony comes over and says, hey. I got that 2CV you've been asking about. And I'm like, ooh, okay, that sounds interesting. And then, uh, so I go, 
he, he, you know, it wasn't in a pill form, which would have been smarter <laughs> because there, the thing about 2CB... The which, dose is super small, yeah? Super small, right? Yeah. So the whole thing is, is when they make the... They actually was a company called, that made them called Nexus. So it became a real product at one point. And it came from the Caribbean, which is also strange. So there's one place in the Caribbean that was producing 2CB and selling it, sending it to Holland, and they were selling it in the shops. But this isn't the stuff that he got me. He got me some powder stuff and key bumped me basically into my drink, right? So I tried to mix it up into my drink. It would not dissolve. Yeah. It would just like float to the top. I was like, what the hell? So then I go, ah, whatever. Downed it, right? And when I did, it was like the most chemical, nasty flavor I'd ever encountered. Way worse than any any other MDMA or anything like that. But it was like stuck to the roof of my mouth, you know? And then it was like, you know, when you get that like raining in your mouth sickness, like, oh, I'm going to get puke and something. So I was like kind of reeling from this stuff for a little bit. And then I kind of like was like, I, after I kind of calmed down, I was like, okay, whatever. But that stuff hit me so quick that I was already, I knew something was kind of, uh, but I was in that, I was in that come up part where you feel like, oh, this is great. It's a little like Molly almost. Like I like little, it. Yeah. Oh, this is actually pretty cool, right? So then I'm thinking I'm in a good place. So I go like, so I'm just cruising around and I meet this guy and he's like a total dork, like the biggest dork you could have ever met in your life, right? And so I'm just, for some Can you reason, describe what he looked like? He looked like he was total nerd, like kind of like a... MIT, not even that. He was like he he was just he had like pen, like pen protector. You know, no, like, you know, full like nerd, like the geekiest guy at ever, the club. At the club, totally out of place. I'm standing next to him, and I'm rolling a joint. I'm like, I gotta roll as many joints as I can right now because I can feel this something's happening. You know what I mean? So I'm like trying to roll joints, and I remember I so I yeah uh, started talking to him. Just I don't know. I asked for a lighter or something, and I started talking to this guy, and he's like, Oh, so what do you do for a living, right? And I was like just starting to get my buzz on and I was like oh I smuggle cereal because <laughs> you were trying to be super, super and, and I thought I was gonna cool and exactly because I wasn't gonna tell him what I do for real yeah. so I was just like I smuggle cereal and he's like okay like that's weird you know what I mean and I'm like and then I start going into detail and I'm telling him the story and then it was like somehow in the conversation I kind of like started to like hear myself talking but not realizing what I was saying listening to him talking and getting into this really weird zone where I was like my voice started to get really high and his voice started to get really low and I was all, what the fuck is going on, right? And then he started to actually physically get bigger and I, it was total Alice in Wonderland and I started to physically get smaller yeah. and I got really, and then he, then he literally like grabbed his collar and started talking into his collar and he was like, hey, the, watch the back door, girl with the purple hair and I was just like, what the fuck is And this? you were there with the girl with purple hair. Yeah, and I was there with Tony and, and Monica from... Uh, from the hash museum and she had purple hair and so and then the funny part was is i turned to her and i was like i'm getting really like kind of creepy weird high thing how are you feeling and she said oh i didn't take it <laughs> i was uh. like what so i'm by myself like oh no you know so i was like free for ah and that's like that moment where you know you're the guy who's going to be really high soon and you have no support <laughs> from anybody in the room so this guy just freaked me out and then I think I might even told this part of the story at one point, but the weirdest, weirdest thing happened was I had this um, audio hallucination, which I think audio hallucinations to me are almost weirder than visuals because, you know, nobody else is hearing it but you or your guy. So I basically was like, oh, I need a light. So I asked somebody for a light. 
they were like, oh, I don't got one. And then he asked somebody for a light. And then he asked somebody. And it started to go around the room. Like, doo, 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 doo. And then everybody was asking each other for a light. And I was all, <laughs> this one was not happening. I go, this is not happening. And then the craziest part, this fucking DJ stopped. And the MC's like, no. has anybody got a light? No. And I was like, oh, I got to get out of this no. fucking club. Yeah, it was the weirdest. I think it was the weirdest audio hallucination I've ever had because it was so. Was that guy <laughs> tripping balls right over there. Exactly. No, no, and then I was like, no. I got to get out of here. So I basically. <laughs> made a fucking exit out of the club grabbed my jacket but at the time I used to wear this like bomber jacket that said drug enforcement on the back a silver jacket that says drug enforcement it's like so obvious and it was kind of glow in the dark and everything so I was like alright I gotta fucking turn this jacket inside it's out because out. that's way less suspicious oh, than walking around with this drug enforcement jacket is this one of those bomber jackets that has like a bright orange inside in case you're exactly. lost at sea exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. so I'm got this bright now I got the inside out <laughs> jacket I'm tripping balls and I'm running out of this club and I basically yeah I went from there trying to go back to my girlfriend's place and then she didn't answer the door, so I obviously thought she was dead. Because that's, that's the first thing you think when, when people <laughs> Someone don't answer, answer the door, door, right? So then I was all, oh, no, I'm going to tell her mom, you know, and I was freaking out. And I remember looking around, and everybody started looking out the windows and like, hey, what's going on down there, you know? And it, I don't even know if these Were people... Were you making noise? I was just standing by the... I don't know. I wasn't really making noise. And then I noticed, like, this gate across the way was creaking really heavily, and snowflakes were... It was snowing at the time. The snowflakes were so big. I swear to God, they were like that big. I was like, whoa. So I had to like ride my bike and dodge giant snowflakes. So it's a total video game mentality. But I I decided that it should ride against traffic because that's way safer. Because if somebody's following me, then they can't follow. You know, so then I was like (laughs) dodging and getting. And I can remember cars almost hitting me and trams. And I basically got back to my house. And then this is even crazier, which I didn't tell you guys earlier. But I got back to the house, which was the CIA at the time. So I get back. Back there, it's a second floor, and it's a pretty old, funky place. And now that I'm tripping balls, it's extremely funky. Like I come in, and there's wires everywhere. And my neighbor, who is upstairs, looks exactly like Barney Rubble, right? It's awesome. With the flat pan eyes, you know. It's like <laughs> he comes out of nowhere, dragging a guy by his feet, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" So he's dragging the guy. Down the stairs, this guy's head's bouncing on the stairs, <laughs> and I'm like, "What is going on?" And he he's like, "Oh yes, we had a party upstairs, and this guy's got to go." And how are you doing? Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, "I'm fucking fine. like I couldn't even talk." And don't remember, drag me down the stairs. And I remember like getting into my house or getting into the CIA, and the CIA was literally, I mean, it was right downtown. And below me was the guys who were building, they were basically loading up hash into trucks and smuggling it all over the fucking Europe, because uh, we figured that out after about a year, that our landlords were just smugglers, right? <laughs> and then the guys upstairs were Suriname, like, uh, gun runners. And then next door to us was a bunch of, les- was a bunch of, a, uh, like, a, hookers and prost- hookers and and johns and stuff that would use these little apartments but they were like one wall away so we could hear everything it was horrible <laughs> so I was like I'm in this place and I'm like all creeped out I'm like ah everything's so fucking weird and then I call Tony and I'm like Tony I think I overdosed right I think you overdosed me because the thing about it, it's the dosages are literally 11 milligrams it's like yeah point it's, oh, it's uh, 11 milligrams if you take 8 it's like eh if you take 13 it's looking too much and I don't know I probably took 20 because I don't know what it was he just right. dunked it in my drink right so then he comes over and he's all like oh how long's it been and you know he's just all calm about it and I'm like 
freak and I'm like my girlfriend's dead and I'm ah, like, <laughs> like I'm all stressed out um, and then like uh, Victor comes and Victor's there and he's like and he had just taken two CP a week earlier and ended up talking to a statue for like four hours or something, right? So and he was like, ah, that stuff's terrible, right? And then I told him, I took the, I took the two CP, and he's like, no! And he's all freaking out, and he's like, all right, get a mattress. And he throws a mattress on the ground, and he's like, lay down. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, now you're going to kill me or something? And he's like, uh, don't worry. And then Tony goes, don't worry, it'll be over soon. And I was like, oh, they're no, going to they're gonna no. kill me, dude. I you saw the guy getting dragged down the stairs. <laughs> so like I'm like, what is going down? And then all of a sudden the phone rings. It, it was literally like the weirdest moment because the phone rings and Tony answers it, and it's like my girl. Wait, how long? Hold on, hold on. You can't stop. How long are you laying there, like thinking they're gonna kill you? I don't know. It was, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> for tell. you, it was infinity. For though. me, it was infinity. No, it was probably only ten minutes. But basically, I got home, called Tony. Tony came. Then, then Victor came. Then I was laying on the in the middle of my shop on a mattress, tripping balls, thinking that my friends are about to kill me. And then <sighs> phone rang. She, uh, Manone, my girlfriend at the time, is talking to Tony, and I hear Tony like, "Yeah, he's right here. Yeah, he's." You want to talk to him? <laughs> I'm like, what? what who, 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 and then he hands me the phone, and when I hear her voice, it's like instantly the high goes away because it's like now I realize that I was tripping and it's all you know, it's all in my head. And then funny part was that Tony after that he comes, and I'm like, oh, it's it's you're lying. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I was just over at a friend's house, you know? and I was like, oh man, I really twisted that one up in my mind, you know. And then Tony's like gives me like a hug, and he's all, isn't it feel good when you think you're gonna die? And I'm like, that is the worst <laughs> idea ever. I was like, no, it's kind of cool, though. You call me, okay, I'm not going to die now. Ooh, like, if you ever, like, getting really close to being oh. in a car accident, your adrenaline pumps. Oh, yeah. Like, no, it was crazy. And I did, and I did but, understand. And at that moment, it was like. And Total I, Fight Club moment? Where you're it like, was. And it was like, you know, it's like I've had it with acid. Face. I've had it with acid a few times, too, where it gets to that. It's getting so crazy. And then it. All unwrap, you know, and then you figure out like, oh, actually, it was all in my fucking head, Whoa. and then it's funny, ha ha ha. But during the moment, I was terrified, <laughs> it's not dude. Fun. No, I was yeah. so terrified. Like on and the it, ground, I'm victory. Like <laughs> I was just like, they're going, it's coming me. down. No, no I totally because everything they said just fit perfectly because I it was like, killing it was, you. It was going to be Except over. It's going to be over friends. soon. It's don't worry. Over, you know, and then I just kept hearing it's going to be over. It's going to be over. It's going to be over. Just lay there. Speaking of over, I think the show's over. Show's I think the show's over. <laughs> that was like a hidden track, and did the you, chat room is like that. Our listenership actually went up a little bit during that. I figured a few people would like that story. There's, there's plenty more where that came from. I know. That tune was in one night. That was one night in Amsterdam. Next week, <laughs> next week we have Breeder Steve. Um, he hit me up today. Pretty exciting. So I'm going to be posting about that in the Facebook group. And yeah, uh, we'll see you guys next week.